intros are not fun and I do not enjoy them. And I'm not even going to say how many times I've had to record this intro until I got it somewhere in the ballpark of something that is presentable for you to be hearing it right now. So whatever happens here, we're just rolling with it. And uh, you got to live with the mistakes and the imperfections because I uh, don't want to spend all day doing this. So here we go. Episode two, the failed experiment. Justin Cosman, commercial stills photographer, filmmaker, my friend, and one of the most creative individuals I know. Uh, This is a long one, but a lot of fun. Justin gets pretty candid here about his journey um, growing up in Illinois and uh, having a scholarship for swim and then moving to Bend, Oregon, and then from Bend, Oregon, coming down to Huntington Beach, California, and being roommates with Robbie Miranda in the early 2000s. And if you don't know who Robbie is, he was a 2001, 2002 uh, X Games gold medalist uh, when BMX racing was in the X Games. And Justin cut his teeth working for X Games, doing all of the research uh, for BMX and motocross when X Games was at its height. Um, And from there, became a full-time professional photographer, doing work for mainly Vans and Red Bull, um, but other action sports industries or clients as well. And uh, then one day he decided, hey... I want to do something uh, more. And he's now what I justify as really a commercial stills photographer um, and filmmaker because he has clients now such as Apple, Puma, Cobra Golf, Apple, Fender Guitars, Gillette, um, Yahoo, USA Today, Rolling Stone, yeah, you know, Petco, where the pets go, if I didn't already say that. Um, so, yeah, he's kind of grown up and doing big deal shit with big deal clients, and it's pretty cool. And he shares his whole story about kind of that transition and going from the action sports world into this kind of like very high-end level of clientele doing very high-end work, um, both on the still side and the uh, moving images side. Um, so there's a lot here. It's, it was a, it was a lot of fun. I've known Justin since 2017. He hired me to camera operate a commercial in Denver, Colorado with, I believe his name is Gary Harris, a professional NBA athlete, um, that Cosman was directing. I was there at cam op and, uh, we just hit it off and been, been friends since then and gone on to work on multiple things together from Petco jobs to jobs for travel lodge hotels and some other random shit. Uh, and we're just friends. So it was cool. Cosman gets pretty in depth. Like I said, sharing his, his upbringing growing up in Illinois and coming out here working for X games, Red Bull, and, uh, just kind of how we got to where he is today. So for those that are aspiring photographers or filmmakers, Cosman's your guy. Listen up, because he's dropping knowledge here, and it was a lot of fun to hear his journey. Um, one of the highlights for me was um, Cosman's story. He shares about his time with Dave Mira. Um, this is before Dave uh, passed away. Um, 
pretty cool to hear his experience with Dave and um, sharing that story. There's just all kinds of stuff we get into. This, it was a good one. And I said it up front, but Cosman may be one of the most creatively savvy individuals I've met. One of them. And probably the most technically sound humans when it comes to the technical side of camera and post-production. I don't know that I've met anybody uh, as intelligent as him when it comes to that side of things because I am not a technical guy. I suck at it. Cosman is the opposite of me. Very, very, very smart on the tech side of what we do in the world of creativity. So yeah, hope you guys enjoy this one. If you haven't already, you can find us on the social medias, Instagram at underscore the failed experiment, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook account still suspended for no reason other than it's just suspended because Facebook sucks. Uh, we're also wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, we're there. Rate, subscribe, follow, like, comment, love, review, whatever you're supposed to do there. <clears throat> that would be rad. And if for some reason you want to be a super fan and support the show more, you can donate on Venmo at Kyle Cowling. Leave a dollar, two dollars, no dollars. One penny. Whatever floats your boat. <clears throat> we are a sponsorless show. Just uh, me, myself, and I, and my good friend Jeff Simpson helping out on all the social media assets. Uh, and we're just kind of going with the flow. So if for some reason you want to support further, you can do it that way. Uh, if you don't want to support that way, fuck yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, but just want to throw that out there. Um, I think that's it. And if there's a guest you want to hear on the show uh, that you think would be good, let me know. Shoot me a text, DM, email, comment, whatever. Let me know, and I will try to connect the dots. Or if someone you know would be good and you know that person personally, link us up. That makes my job even easier. And in a world with self-driving cars and refrigerators with televisions on them, we're just getting lazier. So do the work for me. Thank you. Kind of kidding. Uh, yeah. And if anyone out there knows my girl Jenny Taft, Brittany Force. Ronda Rousey, Pedro Pascal, Last of Us, ever heard of it? Mm. Natalie Kingston, Jessica Rose Clark, the UFC fighter, and some other people that are on my wish list. And you know them, I want them on the show. Hook us up, link us up, connect the dots. Or don't, again, I can't make you do anything. Whatever floats your boat. Um, but yeah, love to have those people on down the road. Tom DeLong, Dave Kennedy and so forth. All right. I've talked for way too long. So here we go. Episode two, Justin Cosman, commercial stills photographer, filmmaker, technically smarter than all of us combined, and a witty son of a bitch. Here we go. Enjoy. The podcast I'm listening to right now on the drive up or drive down, um, the guest kept saying whatever all the time. So instead of, you know, how a lot of people say like this and like that, it was whatever, whatever. He would end with whatever. Just, it, it, in the middle of like conversation, it would just be like, like the bridge to get to the next sentence was mm -hmm. always whatever. And it was kind of like it worked for like their personality. It's uh -huh. like, oh, that's, 
kind of funny. But then I started noticing more and more. I'm like, man, we're saying whatever a lot. God, makes you just. Yeah. I hope you don't listen to your own podcast because you're just going to only no. see the. Yeah. No, I don't. The errors. I don't ever want to hear my own voice because I sound like a 14 year old chick. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> when I call, like, if I ever have to call, like, I don't know, a business or something like that, 10 times, no, not 10 times out of 10, but more often than not, hello, Miss Cowling, how may we help you? <laughs> cool. Is your mother home? <laughs> yeah. yeah, every time. Every time. <laughs> Anyways, all right, we're live, we're rolling. Um, thank you for doing this, Justin. Absolutely, Appreciate man. it. Uh, so, we've known each other for a few years, uh, but kind of, I want to start kind of from the beginning, where are you from Illinois or is it Iowa? Yeah, from Go- Illinois. I, my, my parents are from Iowa. So, um, it's really just like 30 miles to the left and the right of the Mississippi river. But, um, yeah, both my parents are from Iowa. My dad and mom moved just into Illinois to, um, get work in the late seventies. And then they had my, they had me. <laughs> <laughs> they had a little of you. Yeah. I have a, a friend of mine that's from, uh, Quincy, Illinois. Yeah. So that's maybe three hours South. I never really went there. I think I went there after I had moved away and came back and we did a, did like a, a standard bikes shoot, a photo shoot, um, at one of the skate parks there. I think it was like a road trip or something. There it was like a, it was a weird, it was like an upstairs skate park. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, it was upstairs from my antique store of all things, but yeah, okay. Quincy, I think is on the Mississippi. So it's kind of like a quaint river town. Okay. A lot of brick and yeah. everything, but, uh, yeah, I grew up in Illinois, kind of a small farm town, 3000 people. Um, my parents worked, um, my mom worked at a little hospital and then my dad was just like a chiropractor. Okay. So that was actually pretty cool being, uh, uh, just getting adjustments all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, and then my mom, like, you know, I'd, I'd come home from riding BMX bikes thinking I like broke ribs. And then my mom would like take me into the hospital and like, you know, do an ultrasound to see if I had like internal bleeding or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff that you don't really appreciate until you get older. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. How, uh, how'd you get into bikes and BMX? Um, man, it's, it's, it's crazy because we, we Can were just bring that a little bit closer to you. Oh, okay. Yeah. There we go. You got there, it. There we go. Sound guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was, I think eight or nine and we were, we were a church family. And so my mom, we had, we had girl babysitters just all growing up. I had, I had a younger brother. And so we had a lot of babysitting going on and my mom like really wanted to get a boy babysitter for us at some point. Mm-hmm. And so her friend at church had a son who was you know, quite a bit older than us. He was still in high school. Um, and so he babysat us a couple of times, but he was like a skateboarder. He was like a legit skateboarder. He had like a six foot mini ramp in his backyard. Oh wow. And this is like, this is like in the late eighties. Like there was, that was not a common thing at all. Yeah. Um, and so he would take us to his house when he was babysitting us, we would just watch him skateboard. And then he would take us to rampage skate park, which was like, um, 40, 40 minutes away. Mm. And it was a big ass skate park in an old bowling alley, um, made by these BMX guys that had just left Harrow bikes to start standard bikes. Um, oh, wow. I didn't know that at the time, you know, I was just like a little turd with a Veriflex, um, like Walmart skateboard. Yeah. Um, and then he built a quarter pipe in our garage. 
Um, so it was just like a, like a three foot kick turn quarter pipe thing. Um, yeah. And then he, he would leave issues at Thrasher magazine. So that was kind of like our first kind of intro to like, uh, a world outside of like cornfields and high school football. Like it was, yeah. it was very much like kind of like a varsity blues. If you had to boil it down to something, Yeah, it was like a varsity blues town, tiny town. Um, and then my friend, my friend in, in school just brought home a BMX magazine one day from his guitar teacher. Okay. <laughs> and, and it was like, you know, GTs and red lines. And we would just like look at the ads and look yeah. at all the, you know, crazy colors and racing photos. And, um, was it a BMX plus? It was or? a BMX plus. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then, yeah, his guitar teacher was like telling him he needed to get a Mach one, a GT Mach one. And <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. he had his coming. And so I ended up getting a GT interceptor. And then we mm-hmm. found out there were older guys in our town that had built jumps. Mm-hmm. And so we would go there and ride their jumps and they were, um, <laughs> they were great. <laughs> yeah. They were, uh, you know, they still live there. The one guy he's, you know, he's maybe like six, seven years older, but he has like a, a giant, like plywood skate park in his backyard, like a, oh, like, wow. like six, seven foot mini ramps, like big still wall rides. To this oh day? yeah. Yeah. Oh, still, wow. yeah. He's still called, he's got a kid that like works at Woodward now. Oh fuck. Yeah. He still calls me like every six months, Okay, you know, yeah. And he right just on. wants to tell me all about like how his kid's going to go to the Olympics. And I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, man, there is way more to life than doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was just like this, whole little world that kind of introduced me to, you know, California, you know, every, all the captions, you know, where was this stuff at Huntington yeah. beach, sheep Hills, Modesto, you know, uh, point X and yeah. you know, and Snedis Y, like all these places that I was like, you know, I'd go look at it on maps and, and, uh, kind of got my, kind of extended my radius as a kid to, you know, just, you know, realize that there was other, other places that we could go eventually. Um, and so during that time I was like, you know, filming with little mini DV, just like mm-hmm. all of us riding bikes and, um, that we would just film it and then watch it, like watch it on the TV at night. That's all we did. We ended up making like a little short video, like just VCR to VCR editing yeah. type thing. But I really wasn't into that that much. I mean, I definitely, I definitely did that like tape to tape, but mm-hmm. I didn't really catch the bug. It was just more like, yeah, we wanted to be like pro BMX riders and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of, of course. What, a <clears throat> what was the appeal from like, like you said, you saw, you got handed a Thrasher magazine and then comes the BMX plus. What was the appeal to the BMX side of things over the skateboarding? It's a good question. It's a good question. Um, I know for me, like, cause I grew up, riding and racing motocross, but also like BMX at the same time. And growing up in Huntington, like I, you have no idea as a kid that like, I I live eight minutes from Sheep Hills and then 10 minutes from Slater wetlands and then five minutes from hidden Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have all this shit at my disposal and you know, it's cool, but you don't really realize like how epic it is until you get older. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, for whatever reason, for me, just being on a bicycle, like two wheels, is just like, it was like, instant comfort of like, this feels like home to me. And me on a skateboard is, is like a cat on a wet floor. It's not good. Yeah. I think a bicycle, a bicycle for a kid in general is like their first taste of freedom mm-hmm. really. Cause it's kind of like, it's kind of like the iPad is now, I think for a kid where 
a parent can just like give him a bike and then like not have to worry about him. Yeah. That that's kind of like what it was. We just, I could ride from end to end of my town in like, like eight or nine minutes, you know, it was, so, you know, I could go to the pool, I could go to my friend's house. It was just like, it was a mode of transportation. So I think that was kind of like the basis of it. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and then, you know, the older kid, the older, cooler kids were doing it. And so boom, that's all you need when you're a kid, you know, you just want to be like, um, the older guys. Yeah. And, um, that's, that's really what it, that's really what it was. Um, you know, and it was just, they were, they were like, uh, the neighborhood I grew up in, they were building homes around. And mm-hmm. so there were just like a lot of dirt piles. Yep. And so there was just like an opportunity to like build pack one side and ride up it and ride down. And yeah. it was just a little bit easier to do that than to try and skateboard on like, you know, weathered asphalt, I guess, you know, like we had a little quarter pipe in our, our garage, but um, yeah, it was just, you know, <clears throat> everybody's riding their bikes to school and yeah. 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 And you want to show, you know, you want to show off. I've got a cooler bike than you. Yeah, of course. Just like a status thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, of course. Um, there's a bike shop in town. You know what I mean? Like there's some older kids that worked there. They had, they were a Schwinn dealer. Mm-hmm. You know, they had all like the, you know, three piece cranks and upgrade, upgrade <laughs> shit there. That's you just are look staring at in the, in the case. Yeah. You're like, if I get that, it's going to change it's my life. You know everything. what I mean? Everything's yeah. going to change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who, uh, like so when you got that first BMX plus and you started, <clears throat> you get your bike and you're starting to get into that world. Who were some of the guys like you initially were looked up to if anyone? Yeah, it was a lot of racers. I would say Gary Ellis mm-hmm. racing for GT, Danny Nelson, um, Mario Soto a little bit. Um, yeah. Like just, just, you know, I think Wade boots, he rode for Trek at the time. Yeah. He was, he was kind of a kook, but, um, you know, like Jason Richardson, Greg Romero, um, those two guys, it's actually funny cause they live like probably within a couple miles of me right now. Oh and really? We're, and we're like, I, I would say like, we're pretty good friends. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. like Greg like stops by my house like every couple of weeks, um, on that's, a road bike ride. But yeah, we're, Oh, that's rad. Yeah. He's, he's a good friend. I, I definitely value his friendship and it is kind of funny to think that, you know, I saw him in magazines Yeah, growing up. Um, but yeah, those, it was mostly a racing oriented, uh, interest at first because we had a BMX track, the, the guitar teacher for my friend, he also had a BMX track failed oh. to mention that. So, okay. um, he wanted to get my friend Ryan into racing bikes so he could have one more person at his track, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get to like 10 people. It was, it was, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was like restarting an old track that had been there years before. Okay. Um, yeah. And he had actually, that guitar teacher had been living in Hollywood. He oh. grew up in that town. Okay. He moved to California to go to the guitar Institute in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And he is like a, he's like a master guitar player. Like he, oh, wow. he's like, yeah, he's, in, he's incredible. Like he had, he had his own band, but like he has played with like a bunch of like bands on tour, like filling in for people. But yeah. Um, What's his name? Paul DePau. Okay. Um, he played like the star spangled banner, um, at a bunch of NBL nationals. I think it was in one of the Blacken ads that Daryl Naw did in props. Um, it was like Paul, it, anyway, it, he, he was yeah. like a huge influence on, on our lives. Yeah. Um, because it was just sort of like a glimpse of an, an alternative reality for us as kids, you know, yeah. cause we were like, like Ryan and I were just like, we were not, um, 
we were not special physically at all. Like we weren't going to be basketball players. We weren't going to be football players and anything else was just kind of like, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. like soccer really wasn't big back then. Yeah. Um, so it was, I think a lot of, I think it's kind of funny. Like a lot of kids end up in action sports because they aren't, they aren't like groomed to be, um, special or have an advantage in some of those mainstream sports, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, I would say, you know, I don't think leftover is like a great way to categorize us all, but I mean, that's kind of what you do through little league. You know, you figure out the kids that have like either, a, um, a technical or physical advantage and then you yeah. just kind of like fast track them. Yeah. And we weren't necessarily those kids growing up. Yeah. Um, and so we were like the superstars of like these little action sports, BMX and skateboarding, like little niche kind of communities. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's also like for me, like I'm, I'm five, seven and through like all of school, I was just the smallest kid and like never got chest hair or like was the last one to get hair under my, my pits. Like everyone else was like so big and like going through shit a lot quicker than I was. And I always felt like a bit left out and like, well, what the fuck's wrong with me? And then, like that coupled with me being terrible at team sports in general, I just couldn't do it. Didn't understand it. And the fact that like, if I did my job well on this team sport, but then someone else fucked it up and loses the game for everybody, that's fucking bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like that. And I didn't want that pressure on me either. And that's was one of the other reasons I gravitated towards like the action sports side of things is because like, it's all on me. If I do well, it's because of me. And if I shit the bed, it's because of me and I don't have anybody else to blame but myself. And mm-hmm. that was like a level of attractiveness compared to the team sports that i just still to this day. Like I'm, I'm a big baseball fan now, but like I can never still mm-hmm. play a team sport. Do you have a really embarrassing experience yeah. playing a stick and ball sport? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I do actually. I will never, I will never forget this. It was, Oh man, third grade, uh, <clears throat> playing football at school. It was like touch football or whatever. And, uh, like, so I didn't grow up with a dad. It was just a single parent house, me and my mom. Um, so like sports was not a thing, obviously. Yeah. And, time, that's a t- hard, tough time commitment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and that's where like the bicycle came into play. Cause like you were saying the the BMX bike was like a level of freedom for me to just get on the bike and go right around. Uh, but somehow got selected to be on this little flag football team at school. And somehow the ball gets into my hands and like, I get the ball and like, you say like you're across from me and I'm supposed to go through you. Well, I didn't fucking know that I had to go through you to get the touchdown. I was like, I got the ball. My, my team's field goal or like, uh, end zone is behind me. So I just turned around and I went behind me <laughs> to get the touchdown. And I started like celebrating, like I got a fucking touchdown for us. And then everyone was like, no, you idiot. You're supposed to go that way into their end zone. I had no idea. I was like, you were freestyle before. Full, it, yeah. 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 It was yeah. freestyle before it was freestyle. Fakey. It was yeah, a fakey fakey. yeah. 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 And I had no idea. And I just remember like there was one kid specifically, his name was Scott and he, for a third grader, he said some mean shit to me. And I was like, Ever since that day, I was like, yeah, nope. I had no idea. And then I was like, well, how the fuck, how does, how do they know where to go? Like, how do you learn this stuff? Yeah. And then again, over time, as you get older, it's like, well, they, 
he had a mom and a dad. And so like, he probably learned that totally. stuff from his dad. And Maybe an older brother. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like there's all these things that they had that they were able to learn that I eventually learned, but like much later on in life. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, still to this day, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that well. <laughs> yeah, man, those are, it's funny how really early experiences, both positive and negative have these incredible like exponential effects on our lives. Yeah. You know, whether it's like a small success in anything really early on gives Mm -hmm. you this, this like seed of confidence in that one thing. And maybe it was like a fluke. Maybe it was luck. Maybe it was just someone who told you that you were good at something, even though you weren't. And you're just like, Oh, I'm good at this, you know? And you have no reason to not believe them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's like the opposite, you know, it's like, Oh, you're bad. At, you're bad at football. I'm like, Oh man, I'm bad at football. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you're, I mean, this great. You're going to be a parent. So you're, you're really yeah. going to have to like, she's probably not going to play football. She's not going to play football. <laughs> But she will. But you'll play. love your love. You'll love her if she does. Yeah. yeah, I don't. She can do whatever the fuck she wants. I don't care. Um, she will definitely. It's funny because my wife and I talk about this. Like she will play a sport, and it's funny. Like coming from me, that's I don't know, like this kind of like at the core, like a punk rock vibe of like no, f- like fuck all that shit. But it's like no, like there's a level of camaraderie and discipline that and work ethic that I think you get out of those team sports that I got out of motocross. Um, but I didn't get the, the, the ability of like working well with others until later on in life. And so like, uh, Karen's sister, she has three older kids or three kids. And one of them is in play softball. She's, I think 11, she's on like all-star softball and Vista. Mm-hmm. So we've gone to some games and it's, I just, I like, I can't wait to experience that with our kid, like getting her in softball or soccer or whatever it is she wants to do. Like, but just to like teach her at a young age, like the discipline and the work ethic and how to work well with others. And like, Hey, you're going to learn how to lose. Like you're going to win, but you're also going to learn how to lose and yeah. you're going to learn how to lose graciously. Mm-hmm. Like I would say like someone like Conor McGregor in the UFC, like he's got that big, big personality. But every time I've seen that guy lose in the octagon, he's very humble and respectful for the most part. Well, when he was, <laughs> Not when his leg was broken. Not when his leg was broken. Aside from that. <laughs> aside from that, aside yeah. from that, like every other time it was like it's like, yeah, that's how you wanna that's how you wanna lose and that's how you wanna win. Um yeah. so yeah, it's gonna be a a wild experience here soon. <laughs> a few few months. Oh yeah, him uh yeah. I wonder I mean I guess so him and Chandler him and Mike Chandler were coaches on tough mm-hmm. and that's done now. Yeah. That's wrapped up filming. They're supposed to fight. Um, he didn't. So most of the tough co- coaches do fight. Yeah. Last time he was a tough coach, he didn't fight. I, I just, I kind of don't think he's going to fight Chandler for some reason. I don't know. I don't think it has to do with anything that has been done before, but I think Mike Chandler is probably the best person for him to fight, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of like someone that has a, personality and a promotion ability that's like currently in the UFC. And that's like within the top five of, of that weight class, even though they're not going to fight it 155, they're going to fight at 170. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, it's going to be, uh, yeah. I mean, he's just, he's just good for the sport. Cause he's a personality. Oh, yeah. He brings in the casual crowd, which I would 
include myself in. Yeah. Um, a little bit. I mean, you know, I'll brag about this. I, I wrestled from like kindergarten through high school and okay. it's really cool for me to see wrestlers do really well in the UFC Yeah, because, um, a lot of these other sports that like my peers grew up playing football, basketball, baseball, like they have this sports culture that they can follow, um, you know, like through the mainstream, you know, yeah. like the NBA, the NFL and, and MLB yeah. and like, like if you're a good wrestler, you, you wrestle in, in college and then you basically disappear. You know, you might become like a college coach. Um, and now there's just like a place for those guys to kind of like utilize those skills. So seeing yeah. like John Jones, um, and Colby Cummington and, Colby. um, seeing all these like college stars, like kind of use, you know, that, that skill that they've honed. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, DC and like even, even Khabib, it's like really interesting to see how like the Sambo guys, um, they kind of have similar wrestling, um, yeah, strategies, but in like a different, in a different way. Yeah. Anyway, it's just yeah. real interesting. Like we watch, like we're watching this weekend, um, uh, Leon Edwards and Kamara Usman. Um, oh, that'll be a fun right. one. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. I kind of think, Kamaru is just going to like wrestle him to death. Kind of mm -hmm. how like Marab did Jan last weekend. I think we're going to kind of see something like that. And yeah. I think if he does anything, if Kamaru does anything different strategy wise, it's like, it's kind of silly, but yeah. anyway, it's, it's a fun sport to watch. It is. Yeah. Um, I think unfortunately for those guys, they just, they take so much damage that you just can't fight at the frequency that you would need to fight to be like a, you know, tens of millionaire, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like a hundred millionaire, like you can make really good money in the UFC, but, um, there's just like, yeah. Anyway, it, I, I like it and you brought yeah. it up. So we're yeah. talking about it yeah. now, but no, anyway, I, <laughs> we I don't have to talk about it. It, 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 it was a, that, so a, we talk about individual sports. Like yeah, I grew up racing bicycles and kind of skateboarding a little bit. And then, you know, before that I was wrestling and that was an individual sport and that was cool. Cause you were paired with someone that was your own weight, you know? Mm -hmm. So like you kind of had a place to shine within your own little weight class. And then, um, you swam too, right? I swam too. Yeah. I swam, I worked at a pool and then coached, uh, uh, coached swimming. And then I swam a little bit in high school and then I actually swam in college too. And I got a little bit of a like grant money to swim at a division three school. So that was oh, wow. great. Yeah. What school? Um, North Central College. It was a little Division three school outside of Chicago. It was okay. a big cross country and track um, Division three school. Mm -hmm. They were like like twenty year back to back like national championship oh, in, in cross country. Yeah, so wow. it was like where all the Division one kids would go to run that really didn't want to like take it seriously. Yeah, um, yeah. It was a small school. I majored in English. Um, swam for two years there. And then when my friends graduated, I just really didn't want to do it anymore. And I was at that time I was, um, uh, I signed, uh, I basically got my pro BMX racing license to race single a pro. And oh, so wow. I, I didn't want to swim anymore. Okay. Um, and yeah. And so I started like, I went from like, you know, what 18, 19 expert to, you know, 20, or yeah, just single a pro racing in like Rockford, Illinois. Mm -hmm. And then around Wisconsin. And I would go there on Sundays. Like when I was in school, I'd go race like these small pro races and try to like double my entry fee, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I didn't have to work anywhere on campus and, um, thinking that I was like, you know, going to go to California and like 
set the world make, on fire. Make a main. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Didn't happen. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. So was that the, was that like the dream or the goal at, the t- at that time for you with BMX? Yeah, that was like, that was the thing I was the best at, even though it was a very small pond I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was, that was a dream. I just wanted to be, you know, I'll say I wanted to be in that community, you know, like that was the stuff I, I knew the most about. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. Yeah. Why the, why are the racing over like the freestyle, like street or dirt type thing? Well, I mean, I, I rode skate parks too. So I had a okay. BMX racing bike and, and, um, and then I had like a freestyle bike too. So I, in the winter we would just ride the indoor skate park. Okay. Um, but that was, um, it was just easier to, to race. Um, the racetrack was close by and there were more races and they had like state series and national series and like regional series races. So it was just kind of like more of a framework and a structure. Yeah. Um, I would ride rampage skate park all the time and scrap and the pit. Um, but it, it wasn't really anything that I was like, I mean, and, and in, in hindsight, really, I would have probably had a better chance, um, um, riding freestyle and like getting sponsored. Mm-hmm. Not that that would have you know changed my life or anything, but yeah, that was kind of an easier path to whatever I wanted to be involved in BMX with. Um, I just didn't really know it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was just a lot of driving around to these little skate parks in the, in the Midwest, um, ca- catching rides with people or just telling my parents I was going to a friend's house and then driving like three hours to a skate park somewhere <laughs> and hoping I didn't get a flat tire, you know, yeah. had to yeah. call them or anything. Yeah. Did that um, ever happen or no? No, no, never happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, how, yeah. uh, so I, I, I forgot that you had majored in English. So I, I take it academically. Like you were, you went to school and you were a good student. Yeah. Um, how, how, why English? Why English? Cause someone told me I was good at writing in junior high and I was like, okay, let's do this. And I don't think I was anything special. Um, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you what I was not good at science, okay. math, <laughs> okay. Like anything other than like just creative stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, I wasn't in any honors classes, um, until, until, uh, undergrad, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Just like pretty much straight A's for the most part, straight A's in college, except for like, you know, nearly failing chemistry and, and, um, calculus, but yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah, I think I graduated soon, summa cum laude. Uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty cool. I actually had to, let's see, it was my senior year. I, I was, I had a scholarship, um, like an academic scholarship, mm-hmm. um, for most of my college tuition and I was trying to graduate early. I thought that I could take enough courses to basically be done the first trimester of my senior year. So basically graduate, oh, we wow. were on trimester. So I, I was, yeah. um, I could overload everything, take winter, winter classes and, and then be done and come to find out that not only was I not going to graduate early, that I had taken too many English credits and they would only count so many towards my graduation, like audit. Okay. Maybe the number was 30. Like you can only max out at 30. And I had something like nearly double that. Oh, right? wow. 
And they were like, oh, all that's all that. Yeah. It's not going to count. So now you just have to like take all these other classes. Um, because my advisor was, um, the, she, she was like an English professor. And so she would tell me, oh, I am offering this class this year. Take it this year. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'll take it. You know? Yeah. So I wasn't balancing anything out. Right. I had, I was nobody's fault, not casting any blame, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I had to, I had to take like, you know, jogging my senior year and, um, I, I maxed out the number of classes I could take at my college. So I actually had to ride my bike to a junior college, like in the next town over and take these art classes because Mm -hmm. they, I couldn't take any more credits at whatever. So I, yeah, it was, it was kind of, it was a bummer. It was a bummer, but, um, you know, I got to learn how to make jewelry and like, uh, Mm. cast silver. That was pretty cool. And like make, make wax molds and things like that. And yeah, but, um, yeah, writing, writing was, writing was fun. Um, I think I was under the impression that I would just work at a magazine or something, you know, Mm. I knew I didn't want to work at a daily newspaper. Okay. I think that frequency wasn't really into that. Um, and I wrote a couple freelance articles for trans world BMX online, you know, when I was in, in college, you know, just these long, stupid articles about racing that James Ayers posted probably because he felt bad about me, but, um, (laughs) yeah, paid nothing. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I just thought I was going to, probably work at a bike shop and write for magazines. And then after, after I graduated, I thought I was going to move to Bend, Oregon. That was like my plan because my, my friend Aaron's older brother lived there and it was like a cool outdoorsy town. I could ride road bikes and a lot of triathletes lived there. And I was like kind of doing some real small triathlons at the time. Um, um, so it was kind of like I could ride BMX, I could train for BMX, race triathlons, just, you know, I was just doing tons of shit, you know, I mean, I wasn't like focused at all, but yeah. I got a, I got a reply to a, um, uh, an internship I had applied for in Dana Point at Bike Magazine, a mountain okay. biking magazine. Mm-hmm. And so I was in Bend, Oregon looking for a place to live. And then I got a, a call back about that internship. And so, um, yeah, I just flew home and drove out to California with like, like a car full of just like junk. And, uh, I had like 1200 bucks. I thought that was going to last me like a year. I had no idea. <laughs> ended up living on like a couch, you know, for like four months working for free at mm-hmm. a, at a magazine. And, uh, then I just would try to go to sheep Hills as much as I could. Okay. Um, I'm kind of fast forwarding it, but you know, yeah. what year is this? This was, this would have been 2003. Okay. And how old would you have been then? I would have been, I would have just turned 23. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So at this point, like X Games is fucking at its peak. There's gravity games. Like there's all, all the, the Road Fools props movies. There's all this stuff in the BMX world. Like it's trans world BMX, like all the shit. So like for you and see, seeing all that, like what was, was the goal or the thought to like, eventually try to get to California and be yeah. where like the scene is. Yeah. Yeah. I was really just kind of throwing many irons in the fire mm-hmm. and seeing kind of what would happen. And yeah. I was just going to take kind of whatever, whatever I thought was like the path of least resistance of things that I was interested in, which at the time was just like, okay, well I'm going to move to Bend, Oregon. Cause I know one person there. It's mm-hmm. not my hometown. And I know a couple 
triathletes that live there. I know of them. And I was just like, I want to go there. You know, yeah. that's about the only reasoning I had back then. But um, yeah, I mean, all the props videos, Ride Magazine, Transworld BMX Magazine. Yeah. Those were like my news outlets. I had all that shit memorized. You know what I mean? I knew all the songs, all the interviews, I could recite them. Yeah. And so when I was working at that mountain bike magazine, I actually met a guy on the other side of the building who worked for their ski magazine at that publisher. He asked me, are you that bike guy? I work for ESPN on the side and they're looking for a, a bike motocross researcher for X games. I was like, okay, yeah. Well, let's." And I got connected with ESPN's research department. And then that okay. was kind of like my next big thing that happened to me where um, I got connected into like the business of action sports. Okay. And I mean, we can talk about that. It's, it's, it was pretty significant because they essentially like hired me and then handed me a binder with all of the phone numbers, emails and, and, and like personal information for like all the X games BMX riders. Right. Oh, fuck. and they're like, you have to call everybody. So I was like, Oh, okay. So if you want to talk about fast forwarding someone's career, yeah, I would say that was maybe the largest jump I took, um, no fault of my own, but like, yeah. um, you know, calling all these guys and I'm the guy that basically interviews you to find out what goes on the TV screen and what they talk about. Right. So all yeah. these guys like at some level want to answer my call and talk to me, Yeah, you know, they don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least I could talk to them competently about, you know, what they've been up to lately, you know, what tricks they're working on, what their specialty was a little bit, their like current sport and personal history and everything like that. So yeah, that was, that was kind of a cool gig because I would work the three months leading up to summer X games. Mm-hmm. And then the three months leading up to winter X games for basically like freestyle moto best trick. Like okay. when they did it on ice and all yeah, that shit. yeah. Um, yeah. So I got to, you know, Deegan and Ronnie Feist and yeah. Chuck Carruthers and all those, yeah. um, all those guys. So yeah, that was, that was awesome. Cause I could, basically do my work whenever I wanted. So that gave me enough of, um, it gave me enough of a kind of a retainer to go to sheep Hills, ride mm-hmm. bikes, meet all the BMX guys, um, shoot photos, kind of freelance and kind of develop that, that part of the business, um, back then. And that's where I met Robbie, Robbie Miranda. Yep. yep. Um, and I ended up, uh, I needed a place to stay. So, and he was kind of like, uh, tapering off his pro career. So yep. his sponsors had kind of like shrunk a little bit. And so he was renting a room out in his house and um, yeah, he still rubbed for DC shoes at the time, which I ended up shooting a couple DC ads for him. Okay. Um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Fucking road sheep hills every day with Robbie Miranda. Like, yeah, come that's, on, that's how fucking, good does it get? You know, yeah, I mean, that, we go like have lunch with Todd Lyons and like, you know, yeah, yeah the wild man. Yeah. <laughs> that's gotta be a trip too. like, like, coming from Illinois and, and being so removed from the scene. And then all of a sudden you're basically handed the binder that's worth its weight in gold for someone in that position. It's like you have the key to Pandora's box. Like you have everything you'd ever want to know contact wise. And yeah, living with Robbie and getting to ride sheep. Like that's, that had to have been like, wow. Yeah. It, I was very grateful at the time. Um, you know, I think as, as a kid, when you're reading all the magazines and watching the videos, you have like a level of, um, adoration for these guys Mm -hmm. and like kind of hero worship. 
in like weird ways. Yeah. But you also feel like you're part of the sport. So like when I moved out there, I didn't feel like I was a complete outsider, you know, but, um, it, it did seem normal to a certain level. I mean, Dave okay. Mira was kind of the only guy that, um, was a little bit larger than life to me personally. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, mean, yeah, I, of course. And I don't mean that like the other guys weren't, but they, they were much more relatable, I guess. Dave yeah, was Dave the one was... guy who was like not super relatable in a very superstar, like next level kind of way. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Dave was, yeah. Did you ever get the chance to work with him or speak with him at all? Or Yeah. Yeah. I shot photos for Mirico when he started that bike company mm -hmm. that was funded by Trek. Mm -hmm. um, I had met him a few times when I was in Greenville, like okay. doing Vans projects and like he would come over to Harrington's house because he lived across the street from Josh Harrington mm -hmm. at, at one time and he'd come over like when we were like partying or whatever. Um, I, I went on, let's see, I went on one of the local exposure tours and that he was on and we ended up, I, I beat him in a dice, like the CeeLo <laughs> kind of tournament <laughs> okay. and he ran out of money. And so he, he opened his wallet and he had the last two bills in his wallet were two $2 bills. And so he, he, we had like pushed and we we're playing CeeLo or whatever. And we had like tied and then you have to like re up and keep putting money in or whatever. Every time you tie. Okay. So we had done that a couple of times. He just ran out of like money, yeah. like physical cash. Um, he didn't run out of money, but you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. So yeah, he yeah. signed both of those $2 bills and he told me that that made them worth 10 times as much. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay. And then yeah. I ended up winning that pot. I still have those two, two, two dollar bills. Um, Do you really? Yeah. I'll, I'll show them to you. Yeah. Um, wow. But I just, I just found them. Um, yeah. As, uh, yeah. Rest in peace, Dave Mira. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quite, quite the influence on BMX freestyle Every, and my life and everybody. the entire industry. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. So like what your experience with him, Cause I know sometimes they say, you know, you never want to meet your heroes cause they'll let you down. <clears throat> I've been, and I'm sure people that listen to this are going to be real fucking tired of hearing about it. But my, uh, adoration for Tom DeLonge and Blink and all that shit, like mm. when I got to meet him and work with them, I was nervous in the sense of like, this is like a bona fide rock star, like the highest level of celebrity I've ever worked with. Like I've worked with the highest level of athletes within supercross and motocross, but like, this to me is a whole, like, this is a real life. Like he was on fucking MTV yeah. and winning like MTV moon man awards and shit. Mm -hmm. I'm like, fuck, like, what if he's like, what if he sucks? Like mm -hmm. that type of deal. And meeting him and spending the day with him and my whole experience that day, I was just like, wow, like you are more than what I could have hoped for as a person. Like if you didn't know what he did and does, you would have no idea. Mm -hmm. He was just a normal dude. So polite, respectful, genuine sincere had interest in like the camera gear and was asking me questions about stuff and even though we were on a tight schedule like never felt rushed like i was like what a fucking badass and then we ended up exchanging phone numbers so like my claim to fame is i have tom's phone number and like we've shared texts and mm -hmm. he will reply and i'm just like this is fucking weird mm -hmm. um so i guess the long-winded question to that is like meeting Dave and being able to spend the time you did with him. Like, did he exceed whatever expectations you have? Or like, I, he doesn't seem like someone that would like be a letdown in that regard. You know, I'm really, I'm really thankful. I got to meet him, you know, and 
Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a really, it's a really tough question that I haven't had to really think about before. I mean, I've certainly met people who I looked up to and then they didn't, they didn't measure up to my expectations that I had put on them, you know? Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that's it's not I necessarily think, fair. It's not fair. We do it a lot. Yeah. I think it's just a, a thing that we hope, you know what I mean? And uh, I think everybody would hope that their heroes, you know, didn't have the same character flaws that we do, you know, yeah. and you spend enough time with, with people and you realize that they're just are, they're just like they're you just and I, like you and I, and they <laughs> happen to be really good at something. They maybe yeah. happen to have grown up in an era, um, where they were just one step ahead, you know? Um, yeah. yeah I mean, I don't want to make it seem like I knew Dave personally at all out of yeah, at yeah, all yeah, the, yeah. all the BMX superstars. Um, yeah, I, he, he was like, like he was like a movie star to me, you know what yeah, I mean? And yeah. when I met him, um, he was just like, kind of like a normal, a normal person, you yeah. know, I, with, with this, like, uh, he was just an amazing athlete and yeah. ama amazing, amazing, amazing work ethic, you know? Yeah. And he, I guess he wasn't like, he wasn't physically different than, um, me at the time, I, I would say like, he, he wasn't, he wasn't tall by any means. I wasn't very tall. I mean, we were probably like, you know, you know, five, seven, five, eight. No, it's funny. We've been talking about like height quite a bit, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, like he wasn't, he didn't have anything different about him. Right. Yeah. He was just, he was just a maniac about being the best. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what his motivation, where his personal motivation came from, you know, cause I think we all have an internal drive to be really good at what we do. We sometimes have an internal drive to prove people wrong too. That's yeah. another big driver for a lot of people. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. You know, I, I, uh, I think, I think people thought Dave owed them a lot, you know, and they were, you know, when he passed away, when he took his life, um, I think, I think people really, really missed him in, in ways that maybe, I don't know. Like he was he, almost, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, my brother, my brother shot himself when I had moved to California. He was like in, in school at the time. And so it's, it's a complicated for me to think about and talk about because that experience kind of like clouds, um, every other person's experience that they've had with suicide too. Yeah. Right. So yeah, for me course. to think about it, um, there's just a lot of different ways that you can, um, interpret your feelings. Um, in some ways it's just like, you know, it's a selfish thing for the person to do, mm -hmm. but it's also a selfish, selfish thing for you to think that you wanted them to stick around if they were like in pain or suffering or, you know, their mental illness was like unlivable. Right. So yeah. there's like a lot of unknowable things about, you know, what each person is experiencing and how much of that is like reality, how much of it is maybe part of like a substance abuse problem. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah, the Dave, Dave Mira thing was, was, uh, yeah, we were on, we were on a trip in, we were on a Vans trip in Puerto Rico, finishing up the Vans, uh, the Vans BMX video illustrated. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and yeah, it was like, I think we're halfway through the trip and Colin McKay, the team manager, um, social media manager at the time in the morning, he, he had, I think he had found out the night before, but in the morning he had like, he told us that, uh, that David killed himself. And, uh, the, it was very, yeah, it it was, you know, it was like shocking, you know, to all of us. It was, it was a very solemn moment, um, for the, all the guys that were on the trip. And, um, yeah, you know, I mean, that dude had every, every, everything that any of us could have superficially hoped for, you know what I mean? Yeah. Money, cars, beautiful wife, house, you know, rental properties, you know, reputation, you know, kids. And, you know, I, when something like that happens to someone who has a lot of that stuff, I think it really kind of makes you question like what you're really working for sometimes Yeah, when you're like, like, Oh yeah, I'm saving for this fucking car. I'm going to get this fucking house. And then like one of your idols who has more than you'll ever have, like if all that stuff wasn't enough to like make them happy, then you're just like, you're just like, Oh shit. It's like a no shit moment that you have to yourselves yourself where you're like, okay, I can't really relate, but like, how is it any different? Like mm-hmm. we all kind of have live in our own bubbles where like, yeah. like we have really important things, you know, we have really important people. Yeah. We have things that we worked for that mean something to, to us. And then when, yeah, you realize that there's like something that is maybe more important with your mental health than mm-hmm. just having stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 It's yeah. I've never had like the suicidal thoughts before. Um, but I, I've definitely had like severe depression and really bad anxiety and always wanted to go get help for it, but couldn't really afford it and, or didn't know how to go about it. Um, and I remember in high school too, I don't know if it was like this for you, my high school, my whole academic career was the complete 180 from yours. Like I was the fuck up. I like on the cusp of being kicked out of high school. I was in uh, special ed remedial classes pretty much my entire academic career. Cause I get a young, like, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, I couldn't read, I couldn't write. Like it was, it was bad. And I had a really, uh, uh, really slow level of comprehension compared to everybody else. So I was always in these special ed classes. And I remember in high school, like having a counselor that we were set up with, like a case counselor, whatever the fuck that meant at the time. Um, but they were never around. Mm-hmm. I, and I was like, it'd be rad to go speak to this person. Cause I could use some help with whatever it is I'm struggling with within the classroom or whatever it may be, but there's never any like support there, even though it was always said like, Oh, you know, go to your counselor. Your fucking counselor is never there. Yeah. Like I would, I would go into the, like the main office of our high school and just never there, never mm-hmm. there. Um, and then like finally two years ago now I'm 36 now. So two years ago, I finally started to get, like I spent the time to find someone and get the help and start working through all my shit and, I have a clinical diagnosis of of a, a, a really bad generalized anxiety disorder, pretty bad social anxiety disorder, and some mild PTSD. The PTSD thing threw me for a loop because I always thought that was like 
for military veterans because mm-hmm. that's what you always hear about. So my therapist was like, yeah, you have a mild case of PTSD. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, but I, I guess just my point is like, I have learned, it took me three decades, but like for me, the importance of like having someone to go and talk to and, and work through shit and understand, Hey, when I get to these low points, I can now identify like why that is. And now I have tools to help me get, yeah, like get through it. Like, so now it's like, I still have low points, but the low points aren't as low anymore, you Mm -hmm. know, and I can make sense of it now. Um, so I'm a pretty open uh, book when it comes to that. And like, I don't know how that relates to, you know, the suicidal thoughts at all, but I can only hope that people have those feelings like, Hey, please go talk to someone and see if that can help because people give a shit about you despite what you may think. Yeah. Yeah, man. The, the therapist and the couples counseling stuff is like, Every time that I've been, I'm just like, God, why didn't I do this 10 years ago? After my first session. Yeah. After my, yeah. After my very first session with my therapist, I walked out of there and I was like, I cannot believe it took me this long. Yeah. It was just like unbelievable. Um, and I, yeah, I I know it's not for everybody, but I at least give it a try one time. And you got to be open, like wanting to put in and do the work too. You can't half-ass it. I agree. I agree. Um, man, I, yeah, sometimes it's like really, it's really easy for us to like encourage other people to go get help. Or even if you're like, you're doing well to go get like maybe some, some coaching sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we don't do it from ourselves. Like, like I'm in that same boat, you know, like two of like two of my best friends are like sports psych coaches and, um, and I'm friends with like a third that's really good too. That mm. has been amazing to talk with over the years. And they were, they were in times of like prosperity. It, it was like, um, it was like, okay, I'm doing good, but I kind of don't know how to get to the next level. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, man, it was just amazing to speak with someone who could help me re-examine my goals and my work-life balance and yeah. things I wanted and to just really, really give me a better, a better strategy for deciding like what type of work I wanted to do, what was important to me in the short term and the long term, and to basically have a framework to decide like, um, what I wanted to do, you know, like in the, in in just media production, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm just kind of, I'm beating around the bush, but it's, uh, yeah, it, I, I would recommend it. Like, I mean, dollar for dollar, like how could it not be the best money I've ever spent? You oh, know same, I mean? same hundred percent. Like, yeah, without question. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of, it's like you, I wish I would have, gone earlier or at least kind of like had an open mind earlier. But then there's another part of me that thinks, man, I just wouldn't have been ready for it. Mm -hmm. Like you kind of have to, you kind of have to go through some shit to sort of realize like, Oh, what I'm doing worked up into this point, but it's not going to work from this point on. Or like how I handled my last relationship 
isn't going to work for my next one. Yeah. You know? And yeah. Yeah. I, uh, there's so, there's so many individuals that have made like a really big impact in my life in, in ways that were probably pretty, pretty minor, minor interactions for them, but you know, major, major, uh, major interactions for me. For you. Yeah. And that's like, gosh, I mean, I would, I would, I would just recommend that, uh, you know, you just kind of do a little examination of like, what do you put in your mind, mm-hmm. you know? And because like, if you can, if you can put, if you can put some better, more positive, um, ideologies in your mind, like sometimes it only takes an idea said in a certain way that like really makes it click for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and a lot of these, these kind of, things and ideas and belief systems, like we know them, but yeah, you sort of have to be, at, be at the right moment in your life for it to like click and be like really impactful and like said, and sometimes like a really simple way. Mm-hmm. Those have been like some big aha moments for me where I'm just like, Oh, that's exactly where I'm at in my life. This means a lot to me in ways that have like helped me reexamine um, what I've done in the past and kind of how I want to pursue, you know, like essentially a career in art. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. um, and really trying to separate like, you know, what I, what I, what I like to do as an artist, um, the goals I have for my life with my wife and how those interact, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's never one dimensional, you know? No. And as much as like, you know, I think I was like really, I really identified with like bicycle sports culture. Um, and we haven't even talked about like my like early professional career. I basically worked in BMX for like 15, 16 years, yes. like exclusively. Yes. I, what I want to get into next. Film and video production or, you know, yeah. photo and video production. And <clears throat> I didn't really identify as a photographer or an artist. And, um, I identified with a guy that worked in BMX and as I started working on projects outside of, of BMX, it was like, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I, I really love lighting anything, not just like a guy doing like a switch hanger on a handrail. You yeah. know, I like yeah. lighting everything in so many yeah. different ways. And there was like oh many, only so many ways you could light someone like, riding street or riding ramp, you know, but there was like so many different ways that you could manipulate and, and shape light, Mm -hmm. um, just in, on other projects, you know? And so that was like a, that was like a really, that was like a really fun, um, (laughs) kind of like re, uh, like aha moment. It was, it was an aha moment, but it was just like, it was like also really empowering. Yeah. Cause it was like, okay, I'm not just like this, like I can do this and I can be valuable for a lot of people and they will appreciate that as well. Like I can, I can make a career outside of this one very narrow industry. Um, and I can have a lot of variety with it too. Yep. And, um, that has been, that has been so much fun. Yeah. Like in the last, I'd say seven years, I've, I've worked with, um, uh, I've done a ton of work for a golf company and I've, I've never played like a round of golf ever. Like I've gone in the driving range a couple times, mm-hmm. but 
um, we do really, really great work together, mostly because they are great people and they have great ideas Yeah, and they give me quite a bit of freedom to execute their projects. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's, that's incredible. Like that's all I can really ask for. And it's, it's fun to kind of work on it from the outside in, um, and not have all the baggage that comes with someone who's been in that industry for the whole time. Not mm-hmm. saying that those people do. I'm saying I did within yeah. bicycle sports. Yep. You work in an industry long enough. I'm sure you would, um, you could talk about that with motocross that you sort of the industry bullshit can cloud your, um, the artistic side of what you do. Oh yeah. Right? Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, it, it like, it's not, it doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make me mad. It doesn't make the sport bad, but it kind of is just like a relationship that kind of does run its course. Yes. You know, for someone yeah. who, um, yeah, just works in the arts, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And I, dude, there's, I mean, I, I've got all kinds of stories, but I, there's one thing that comes to mind specifically where, and like being, I felt in the motocross industry, um, uncomfortable considering myself more of like an art, artist, cinematographer, however you want to classify that. But the reality is that's my approach to that world was very much on the artistic side. <clears throat> whereas everybody else was very much like handheld, throw a rap song under it or a punk rock song under it, which fine and dandy. That's how all that shit started. Like the original, like crusty demons of dirt videos and terra firma videos were all punk rock. And that's what I grew up on. What I still love to this day, but I don't know if it's just like my kind of like progressive way of thinking, but it's like that shit's already been done. Like what's, what's next? Like what's the next thing that can be done? So for me, it was more on like this artistic storytelling side of things. And, for uh, quite a while, I got a lot of flack for it. Like I would be made fun of by other colleagues, like made fun of to the extent of other colleagues, competitors, whatever you want to call them would go shoot a video and they would purposely copy my style and put like whatever, like ambient type of music under Mm -hmm. it, but not in a way to pay tribute, like a very blatant way to make fun of me because I like, (laughs) they thought it was so stupid that like they were like, yeah, like making but they want to spend the time to do yeah, it. No, I'm, it yeah, I, I to swear to God, dude, I, I'm dead serious. <laughs> this happened multiple times. And I'm just like, I get kind of like uncomfortable and insecure because, like, I already lack confidence as is. And like, now you're blatantly making fun of me yeah. in this way. And like, I would in a public way, in a public yeah, yeah, way, right, yeah, on yeah. your on your massive website. And yeah. like, oh my gosh. And like, I, I don't read comments anymore. I stopped doing that shit. But for a while, I would, you know, post post something that I liked and mm. I'd read the comments on the website or whatever. And dude, there are people's like saying I needed to go kill myself, uh, like, Jeez, whole, like, homo, like leaving homosexual <laughs> slurs about me and how like I should they should fire me like heavy shit, heavy, <laughs> all because it wasn't handheld. It wasn't with, the same thing that they yeah, saw. Yeah, with, with and, a Pennywise yeah. song underneath yeah. it. And it's like, well. Pennywise uh, music video. That's yeah. That's really all. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah. like, well, like just like, I, I love Pennywise. Like we both love Pennywise, but this doesn't need to be a Pennywise song or a face to face music video. Yeah. Like, you know, it, you know, I think about comments and I'm, I'm not going to apologize for interrupting, but no, it, please do. I'm like, you just like, man, fuck you. How are people like, like the comment sections are just so insane. But like, if you give someone, if someone has that much privacy, they're going to do nothing different 
to that comment section that they wouldn't do to a fucking porta potty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that is like, oh, I, I love like trying to think of like oh. analogies and metaphors that yeah. try to like, you know, make sense of some things. And I'm just Holy like, shit, that's like, that's great. all it is. Like yeah. we have, I have been in some fucked up porta potties. Yeah. Like how did someone shit on the door? <laughs> right. Yeah. Someone did. Uh, yeah. Someone did. Yeah. And it's just like, well, they had they had the privacy and the anonymity to do it. And that becomes the lowest bar for a human, just like what a human will do, right? If yeah. no one's gonna see if no one's gonna see me, like fuck it. Yeah. Right? I've got yeah. a burner a burner YouTube account, like comments are gonna just be flaming. Oh yeah. And it's like you can never underestimate how low someone will go when they have no accountability, right? Mm-hmm. For yeah. anything that they that they put out there. It just so happens that like, you know, anybody could see what's in that whole body. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's 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 yeah. it's 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 disgusting it's, and it's like it's just happens it just happens. Yeah. And it's like it's like it's like, okay, well that's like there's like hundreds of millions of people like that just doing everything. Like driving cars on the highway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Yeah, that person could be right next to me at the red light. Yeah. 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 How? Uh, anyway. Sorry, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. But no. It's just, no. It's, that's a great. That's a great analogy. Yeah. I, I. That's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the comment section is the porta potty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's. I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be a soundbite for the yeah. for the for the socials when this goes live. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> and it's funny um, because everybody has a moment where they've walked into a porta potty and be like what the fuck happened? What in the actual fuck happened? And simultaneously, I have to shit so bad. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, and like the crazier the porta potty is, you're just like, okay, well then I'm just going to shit on the seat too. Yeah. Right. So like, it, it's sort of like, it's that broken window thing, you know, where it's just like, it kind of perpetuates, you know, an, an increase of like damage and, um, I don't know. It, yeah. It's like, how, know, the, how I mean, the fuck are you supposed to break the cycle? If it's already started, it's so far gone. Right. Like, how do you stop this? Yeah. It's basically yeah. like what Los Angeles has turned into, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking LA. Uh, so let's going back to you're at X games, you're handed this Bible and living with Robbie and riding a sheep. At what point photography wise, like, are you already sh- like actively, shooting photography or did that come a little bit later for you? Yeah. So, you know, I kind of skipped over that part, but I was, um, in junior high, I had like a little, um, like a little Pentax K1000, a little SLR camera. I got one in my car right now. That same one? Same one, Pentax K1000. We're going to shoot a portrait uh, after this of you. Great. Great. I love photos of myself. (laughs) Um, wish you had told me that. (laughs) I just did. You've been uninvited. Yeah, you just did. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I would, photograph you know, uh, my peers for the junior high, like newspaper or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then same thing in high school. And, um, and then I, you know, like take photos of my friends riding bikes um, with a camera that I ended up getting, um, from the Marlboro catalog. <laughs> um, Classy. Yeah. And then, yeah, I worked for in college, I worked for my school newspaper. And then when I was in college, I actually met my school's, um, sports photographer. 
who worked for a bunch of division one schools. He worked for sports illustrated freelance ESPN, the magazine freelance, like he worked for all the baseball card companies. Like he was, he was a fucking baller. Wow. Steve, okay. Steve Woltman okay. lives in Lyle, Illinois. We still, <clears throat> he just sent me some Ellen Chrome sync cords like a month ago. Oh, nice. He's, you know, I would say he was probably, um, kind of my, my biggest mentor, um, at that, at the time, you okay. know, like in, in photography. So we were like shooting division one sports on strobes mm-hmm. in arenas, you know, full, full Nikon and Canon digital. So I, I had a really, a really excellent um, teacher. Um, so I went from just like, you know, shooting terrible black and white film with like a 50 millimeter lens to shooting like digital strobes, learning Photoshop, like everything. Oh yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. So when I moved out to California, I was shooting photos of all the pros, like submitting it to magazines, getting, you know, some traction, um, getting more traction actually with, um, advertising, you know, shooting for DC shoes and um, a lot of the bike brands themselves. Yeah. Um, living with Robbie Miranda helped, um, you know, getting stuff in for DC shoes and then shooting some other guys on DC and, you know, you get a two page spread in a magazine editorial, you know, you're looking at a hundred bucks, you get a, you know, two page ad. It's like two to three grand. Yeah. So you quickly realize like what's gonna, what's gonna make, make your rent payment. Um, did you, I don't know if this was before you were out here or during, but when, do you remember that stint Robbie had when he was like jumping like out at the El Mirage Lake bed, like over the cars. I remember a DC ad and I remember DVS Dan like towing him in on it. Um, before you, me, before me. Before you, yeah, okay, way, okay, way okay. Before me. Okay. At the time that was probably done by Steve Buddendeck. Okay. And those guys. Okay. Um, their Access Media, Corey Muth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, if we want to, if we want to talk about that, um, I, at some point, I think it was maybe 2004 or 2005 trans world BMX, which was kind of like dirt jumping and racing and a little bit of freestyle. Mm -hmm. They were kind of absorbed by ride BMX. Okay. So, I mean, they, they essentially were canceled by their publisher and, but they took half the staff and put it on ride. Okay. Um, so there were a couple guys that basically ended up without a job. One of them was Kevin McAvoy, who was the managing director at Transworld BMX. Okay. <clears throat> Love uh, Kevin. He was at Red Bull now. He's, yeah. He's a good yeah. dude. Excellent. Yeah. So the first time first time we met was when he called Robbie Miranda okay. and said, I'm starting a magazine. Who is this Justin Cosman guy? And I was like in the room with him. And he just like put me on speakerphone. He's like, here he is. So Kevin had um, – Kevin had somehow – got in contact with a mountain bike magazine publisher and told him that he wanted to start a BMX magazine okay. and he needed a photographer and he ended up calling me. And so at like 2005, 2006, we ran this magazine out of Valencia in the town of BMX plus essentially. But, mm-hmm. um, it was called 20 BMX okay. and it was in like Barnes and Nobles and everything. And, um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. So I, I worked there for a year with Kevin. Um, I was like, you know, the photographer and creative director and I just flew around to events and like did BMX road trips and photo shoots and just did everything. I'd slept in the office three days a week under my desk. Like, mm-hmm. um, was still living with Robbie mm-hmm. Miranda. And then that, that lasted nine issues. 
Okay. I believe it was going to be our 10th. And if I'm wrong, it was our ninth issue. We didn't get to publish it because they pulled the plug. Okay. So it was about a year. Um, good thing is we had an entire issue of photos that we weren't going to use. So your boy needed to pay the rent. So mm -hmm. I just started you know, reaching out to all the sponsors for these riders. Hey, we've got, got photos for sale for ads. Yeah. Um, and one of the features we had planned for that issue was with Mike day, a BMX racer for Red Bull. Okay. And Mike, um, Mike lived near the office and there was a track near the office. So we actually, we'd actually shot a bunch more than we normally would for like a big ass feature on a, a BMX rider, a BMX racer. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was bummed magazine, you know, he stuff wasn't going to get printed and he yeah. was like bummed, you know, probably cause he wasn't going to get contingency dollars and wasn't going to get to see all the stuff in print, whatever. And he's like, Hey, you know, do you think Red Bull want to buy that? Buy those photos? It's like, well, yeah, yeah. Hit them up. So I sent him all the photos. Um, they're like, these are great. We'll buy them all. You know what I mean? Awesome. Oh, wow. And then they're like, also, what are you doing in two weeks? Do you want to go to South America and shoot formula one cars for two weeks? I don't know. Never done that. <laughs> and um, then I called them back and I was like, yeah, absolutely. How much does it pay? They're like, I don't know. What's your day rate? Multiply that by like 18. And uh, at the time I was like, okay, I didn't have a job, right? Because the magazine had just closed. I was really just figuring out how much runway I had financially until I had to move back to Illinois. Mm -hmm. And then the whole Red Bull thing happened where I sold all the Mike Day photos and they booked me for... Um, you know, this, this shoot in South America. And I, I made like almost 20 grand in two weeks and, oh, and it was just like, okay, looks like I'm staying in California for a couple more years. Yeah. And then after we got back from that trip, uh, they sent me to Austria. They asked if I wanted to work at their photo agency in, in Fuchsia outside of, um, Salzburg. Oh, fuck. Basically in this town over from Red Bull's like global headquarters. Yeah. Yeah. So I worked at their photo agency for a month, two months. Um, was called, oh, wow. it was called an internship. So okay. I got to see all like the photo files, like yeah. internal process. And we did a lot of Photoshop work. Um, a lot of, a lot of work with like layers and, mm -hmm. um, comping things. And yeah, it was, it was incredible. Um, wow. yeah. Came back to California and then they put me on, put me on as like, kind of lead for a lot of their bike projects and okay. a lot of their big brand building projects, a lot of their New Year's Eve projects yeah. with like yeah, with, uh, Garth and Pondella yeah. and Tedesco and yep. all those guys. Yeah. I mean, that was, Dude, that's... we did like the coal launch together. I mean, I mean, they, they essentially paid for my first fucking condo. Like it was. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, yeah. That's like, that's, yeah, I, that's I life changing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely like, life changing. Like, yeah. I, for some context for those that may listen to this that aren't familiar with like Red Bull from the side of things like Red Bull in the action sports world <clears throat> is there is no higher you once you hit Red Bull as a client that's to me that's the ceiling like you can't surpass that like when I was coming up <clears throat> Red Bull was the fucking goal like man if I could just like one Red Bull job that would change everything and it took a long time for me to get to that point but I got to that point and it Hell, it fucking changed my career as well. And like without Red Bulls, like, fuck, I don't know where I would have ended up. Um, don't really do any work for Red Bull anymore, but I'm forever thankful. For, me neither. Yeah. Yeah. They so. just sent me an email this morning saying that I hadn't logged into their photography portal in a while and that I should log in <laughs> log and change in. my, 
Um, yeah, but like, yeah, Red Bull's like the pin in action sports. Like, that's the pinnacle. Like, that is. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the comparison to that would be to something else, but like, that's. I'd say Nike and basketball. Yeah. 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 Yep. What else would you compare it to? Yeah. That's a great comparison. That's what it is. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, that's, and that's, so that's rad. So what like, Media House did for action sports. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, no, yeah, no, no. It's, I mean, they, this, they, they really changed the game for like, um, uh, organic branded content mm-hmm. creation. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they made money over those ten years doing that <laughs> is arguable. <laughs> is arguable. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like a black hole of cash that they would just pour money down, and we were sort of catching that as it would as it was falling. As down. It was falling. Yeah, yeah. It definitely. It definitely felt like you were just in one of those money phone booths on yeah. TV. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, just in terms of there were just so many projects. I'm not saying that it was like, yes, it was just, we got paid well, but it was just like they were always, they always had something going on. Oh, there yeah. Was always, always something. Always. Yeah. And it was always great, fair rates at the time and um, long, you know, for the most part, fairly long projects, you mm-hmm. know, so like you were making like a week's, a week's worth of day rates. Incredible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they would also, um, yeah, anyway, that they were, they were great. They were great. That's rad too. Like you being able to work on those new year's Eve, no limits jobs with like Garth and and Ted and Pondello, like those, those guys like in the motocross world were like, those were the gods. They are, especially like Garth and Garth's still super active in it. Ted a little bit. He's doing a lot of car stuff now. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, yeah, those are, those were the gods in like the moto world for still photography. Yeah. So that's cool to. Like you're part of that, that crew. That's badass. Yeah. It was uh, looking back. I, I'm very, very grateful to basically be on that list of people that they would hire for those, those new year shows. Like it yeah. was Garth, like you said, Chris Tedesco, fucking Christian Pondella. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. ice, ice climbing, like famous ski photographer. Yeah. Myself. I was just, yeah. Yeah. I met. I, I, yeah. I met, I finally, I got to meet, uh, Pondella, uh, in September of last year at Red Bull Imagination. <clears throat> he was there, um, as one of the still photographers with, uh, Garth. And I think Tedesco was out there as well. Um, but like, I was like, saw where he was at and I like was standing next to him getting my shot for video lined up. I didn't realize it was him. And then he like introduced himself to me and he was like, Oh, my name's Christian. And I was like, Oh, my name's Kyle. And I'm like, like Christian, like shooting for Red Bull. Like there's only one that I know of. And I was like, is your last name Pondella? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, holy fuck, dude. Like I tried, tried like yeah. on the inside. I'm like, oh my God. Like when I was young, like I was looking at your work. And yeah. so like, I'm like trying to like keep it together. But I was like, dude, honor. Like I'm such a big fan of your work. So it was cool. Like it took me until September of 2022 to finally like meet this guy mm-hmm. and be around him. And he was super fucking rad. So mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's an icon. Yeah, I didn't start going to Mammoth until like with 2018 or 2019. Mm-hmm. And yeah, our first my first trip there, we did like a Vans uh lookbook catalog with a couple guys. It was just like a camping kind of like lifestyle trip. We rode the skate park too a little bit, but mm-hmm. I we went in the early summer and I was just blown away how fucking beautiful it is there. And yeah. I was just like, "Oh, 
yeah, Christian lives here. Of course he does. Like, he's like the most inspiring place. And then like, we're in a coffee <laughs> shop and I'm like looking through the like magazines and it's just like all his photography, all his like summer, yeah. winter stuff and just yeah. incredible. I'm like this, <laughs> this guy, of course, <laughs> of course, of course I would end up in his backyard yeah. and think yeah. it was like, you know, the best place on earth. That's funny. Um, <laughs> so through all that, how did, uh, you're doing Red Bull stuff. And then at some point you ended up with vans for a long time, right? Yeah. I mean, that was about the same time. So I'd say first couple of years doing stuff for Red Bull, I was still doing quite a bit, almost exclusively BMX uh, industry work as well, like Mm -hmm. shooting um, action photography, advertisements, some catalog work. Um, And, you know, the ESPN stuff was going on too, because I did that for eight years. Okay. So I ended up, learn, you know, meeting all the X Games guys, becoming friends with them. And so I was shooting with Gary Young, um, which was just going to be in, you know, I was just trying to sell it. You know, it was a, it was a ditch, a sequence of him doing like a, a wall ride over like this, this ditch full pipe thing, um, like bank to bank. Anyway, like Alan Cook had tried it a couple of times and, you know, broke his bike and then broke his ankle. And then I brought Gary there once and he... He broke his cranks. Oh, geez. And then, anyway, we ended up getting this awesome sequence. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it just so happened at the time he he needed a uh, an ad was due for Vans mm-hmm. for him, and um, he was just like, "Oh, would you want to, you know, like get that to Vans?" I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll sell it to Vans." And so they ended up they ended up buying it for me. And right at that same time, the the guy that was on retainer shooting photos with Vans was kind of just like, he was sort of done. He, Mm -hmm. he had, he had opened a bar, I think. And he's just doing something else with his life at that point. So he wasn't really getting a lot of things that they needed. And, um, I, I think, I think the team manager at the time was maybe getting a little heat for the retainer guy, not turning in stuff. And so he was like, Oh no, no, Cosman's our guy now, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, Okay. Well, I guess I'm the guy. So then after that, he was like, okay, we got another one. We got another one next month. We got another one next month. Yeah. You know, can you do yeah. video too? You know, eventually. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Whatever, you know. Yeah. And so it was, yeah. That I mean, then that turned into like 12 years. Yeah. 12, and after that, after the first couple of years, um, Ani, Ani Jens, um, she was in, she was like, would you want to be a retainer? I was like, I don't know. Like what would, you know. What does that look like? Yeah talk to me, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and then that, that was, you know, I, I would say I, I had my best, uh, my best work was done with all those, those riders. Okay. And it, and I think a lot of their best work was done too, I would say. I mean, for the most part, we would go out and shoot things that had, had never been done. I mean, that's kind of like what we were doing, you know, it was mm-hmm. normal to us, but we were going out and like, I was photographing tricks and photographing spots that had never been written and tricks that had really never been done before. I mean, that was just kind of what you did in action sports. And it's funny to think about that now yeah. and how unique that was and how many, how much we were doing that back then. Um, but yeah, but we ended up doing, um, yeah, we ended up doing like a full length team video for the 50th anniversary <clears throat> of vans illustrated, right? Illustrated. Yeah. yeah. That, that yeah. kind of came out of the blue. Um, that was, that was, that was great for the amount of budget and time that we were allowed, um, during that year. Mm -hmm. Um, 
of course there's things I, I'm first of all, I'm shocked that we finished it. Um, <laughs> um, but it was incredible because I also got to meet, um, one of the, one of the contractors that they hired to help do color and sound mix for the whole thing. Um, they had booked him for a week. And so I got to sit with him for an entire week oh, wow. at this agency and watch him do color and sound mix. And he taught me so much during that week. I mean, I, I talk about fast forwarding your career. I probably fast forwarded my video post-production career, like five to 10 years, just watching him edit all my stuff Wow! in terms of like, just not only techniques, but workflow and just like the scope of like how you would do handle a project like that. Yeah. Um, and then, um, that was, that was at chop shop in okay. orange County and he, they would book him to work there for a couple months. Like if they knew they had a ton of work coming through, like if it was doing, um, sound and color mixing for, uh, you know, like TV commercials, you know, they would just book him for like two months solid and then they give him stuff to do. Okay. You know, one of those things, I think they had a contract to handle all the vans, like retail, like reels, like all the in-store reels you see at vans, okay. like yep. chop call or yeah. Chop shop had that, um, relationship with vans. And so that, that's, that's where they went to chop shop to do that anyway. Um, yeah, we became friends and then I, he's, he's done, fuck, he's done sound mixing and, and color, color grading for like a bunch of my golf commercials, like TV stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, like some that Massimo commercial that we shot. Yasa yeah. did the color and sound for it. Okay. Um, yeah, he's been a great, he's been a great friend. He lives in Beverly Hills. Like he's like, I can't thank him enough. I mean, dude was a fucking Vogue photographer in like South Africa. Oh, wow. And wow. like shot, you know, shot film in like the eighties or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's got an incredible story, but I'm, I, I can't believe we're friends like, <laughs> that I could text him and he would answer me immediately. You know, yeah, that's I right. send him coffee all the time. I got to send him cases of Lavazza. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I just I cannot be more thankful for that. That year was extremely stressful working on that project with so many guys. We were essentially creating like 13 music videos for for, um, for you know, for one yeah. video and then kind of at the end they tell us, "Oh, we need to like have a van story." Kind of wrap the whole thing in like a van story and so it was a little reverse engineering in terms of like, you know, who we had to sort of like introduce the video and mm. and then some of the some of the really the bonus section pieces are, were my favorites. Um, uh, uh, yeah. It, if you want to watch them, they're probably on the YouTube channel. It's called like illustrated bonus section. Okay. We did one with Corey Nastasio, one with Kevin Peraza and one with Dakota Roche. Yeah. And I think one with Tim Hall as well. I think we did one with fuzzy, but nice. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, we did like, you know, premieres in Austin, Texas. We did premieres all over the world. Yeah. It was That's it was an incredible right. experience. And That's I can't right. I can't thank them enough for trusting me to be the be the director and main main shooter for a lot of those uh a lot of those trips. Yeah. And and just trusting me with the whole process. And I mean, even the producers I met um at Vance, like Graham and Nate, mm -hmm. um, I learned so much from them, you know. Yeah. Like Nate was the first person to pull a permit for us on this like 
Vans commercial we did with Dakota, like doing a wall ride off like an awning in Santa Ana. Okay. And you know, a cop came and was like, do you have a permit? You know, like how many times have I heard that before? No, no, we don't. And Nate's like, yeah, we have a fucking permit. You know what I mean? He's like, Oh, okay. You know, he left. (laughs) I was like, I was like, damn, that's the next level. You know, (laughs) that shit's so nice. I did. I was just telling the story yesterday. Uh, when I sat down with my buddy TJ, who's a gaffer, um, him and I, he was a gaffer on this narrative thing that we did in March of 2020. And it was the, so far it's been the one and only, uh, narrative thing I've done where we had like location permits, the whole deal. And I remember there's one of the days we shut down a street and had a police escort location permit, the whole fucking deal for this like half day shooting, um, in this neighborhood. And we had like a school bus that production had rented, like the whole deal. And I just remember after wrapping that, that scene and driving back, we were then driving to like our last location of the day and we had a police escort. And I'm like, and, and like every, it was just proper. And I'm like, how fucking nice is this? Like, we don't have to worry about a goddamn thing. Yeah. Like we're in front of a neighbor's house. doesn't matter. Like they sign, like they sign the release form. We have the permit. Yeah. The, the cop is there like holding traffic for us at yeah. times. And I'm like, this is the amount of stress that is just evaporated. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah it's so funny good. when you do things right. How, you do it the how right it way. Yeah. goes so well. Yeah. yeah. Who, <laughs> who knew? Who would have thought? Yeah. yeah. Oh man. No one died. It's incredible. Yeah. Why you didn't have just like your buddy, you know, your stone buddy in the street trying to stop cars. <laughs> how could that go wrong? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It's so, <laughs> <laughs> so we're, when you're doing all this with vans, are you still doing the Red Bull stuff as well? Or is that the yeah. Red Bull stuff slowing down a little bit or no? Yep. Yeah, the Red Bull stuff, I'd say it's slowed down in, in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the BMX industry started to become really spread out then too. So we didn't, we didn't have like, we didn't really have any magazines left anymore. It was all just kind of websites and yeah. You know, the Red Bull bike channel was relatively large in and of itself with mountain biking and road racing. And so BMX was it just kind of like a smaller little business unit for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it didn't really break my heart, to be honest. I mean, okay, like we talk about the Red Bull work fondly um, and it was very lucrative, but it was also very hard work, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you earned your rates. Yeah. You earned those dollars. So, um yeah. Yeah. It was, it was kind of, it was tapering off, but I was also starting to do like a ton of golf work as well at that time. Um, yeah. A, a excellent, excellent colleague of mine um, that worked for Red Bull in, I think Nashville or something, or she was on the East coast. She moved to the town I live in now in, in San Diego Okay, and was doing, um, leading the social media, a new social media program for a golf company. And she didn't know I lived in this town and we, like connected on Facebook as funny as that sounds. She's like, Hey, I'm new in town. Like, is it, you know, any of my photographers live here? And I just hit her up. I was like, yeah, live down the street. Oh, oh, she oh, brought funny. me onto a Ricky Fowler shoot. Okay. Um, was he still a Red Bull guy then or no? Uh, yeah, at the time he was. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But she, she wasn't really affiliated with Red Bull at that time. She basically yeah. essentially a two year break. She took, she ended up going back working for them, but okay. um, yeah, she brought me on. And then that was just like the whirlwind yeah. began. And it was funny. Cause at the time I was, I really wanted to, it's not like I didn't want to travel as much. Like I just wanted to do more um, work in San Diego and in California. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I didn't really, like I worked for Vans and Red Bull, but we, we just did a lot of work 
other places. Yeah. A lot of travel. So I was like, I didn't, I don't know. I like living here, you know, it'd also yeah. be nice to like work here and figure out who else works here. I didn't know like anybody in, mm-hmm. in San Diego, um, for the most part, like in terms of like gaffers and, and like grips and producers and directors, I didn't know anybody. Um, so I kind of had this like little mini goal. I was like, okay, let's like, let's try to find, um, some work in locally, you know? And then that came along and fuck, that was like, couldn't be more local. Like yeah. they're just, they're just down the street. So that was like 2015. So now we're like 2023. Like I've been doing tons of still photography and video production for them. Um, shot some stuff that's been on TV commercials, um, shot with Bryson DeChambeau and Lexi Thompson. Mm-hmm. I just did a Ricky Fowler shoot for them out in Palm Springs that, well, the photos you were showing me on the Petco shoot, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the colored light yeah, stuff. The colored yeah, light yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that stuff. It all drops next week on the twenty oh, third. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was fun. All all aperture six hundred C's. We had four of them. Okay. Um, and we just like lit lit Ricky and then lit the palm tree, kind of like opposite colors. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of more of a Miami vibe that we were trying to get yeah. across for this palm tree crew. Um product line that they have yeah it was awesome yeah. it was yeah. it was a night shoot um had bernie's grip and electric brandy and oh, brandy. ghost dog yeah um that was it was a good crew yeah that's rad big yeah yeah so for you i mean you've pretty much entirely transitioned out of bmx action sports as a whole i would say correct like yeah i would i would say so they yeah i mean I don't mind saying it. I mean, but yeah, Red Bull hit me up in December to shoot like a BMX Flatland event they had in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And um, I had kind of something else that was cooking, you mm-hmm. know? And so I wasn't really trying to go to Louisiana, you know, in the winter yeah, um, and yeah. shoot Flatland. Um, yeah. I appreciate them reaching out, but it was just, just, I wasn't, I'm not trying to do events, you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I had done enough live TV production with X Games to know that like, um, I didn't want to work in live TV anymore or yeah. just events in general. Yeah. Um, they're tough. It's a grind. It's very, yeah. it's, it's a very tough life to live. Um, and I learned a lot doing that, but anyway, no more. Yeah. So I wouldn't say, yeah, really not any action sports anymore. And I don't, I don't mind it. I mean, yeah, I think about it fondly, but, um, the thing I miss most is like shooting street with strobes. Okay. You know what I mean? I do, yeah. I do miss that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is like selfishly satisfying to do as a photographer, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Would, uh, would you say like, was there a point where you were like, all right, I gotta, I gotta cut ties with this and move on to a different genre of, of still photography and and filmmaking? Or did it just kind of like, was it a conscious decision or did it just happen well it kind of happened to me i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that like i left it and like you know wipe my hands of it yeah um i you know i was i had a fairly healthy retainer at vans you know Mm -hmm. for many years and in 2019 um that was my last year on retainer with them and my boss was moving to another division and so he really couldn't sign me on another year. Mm-hmm. And so what they essentially gave my job to like three guys and they split up what I was doing amongst three people. Okay. I mean, that's a little bit of a pat on the back to myself, but like also it was just, they were, they were just not trying to spend as much money, which yeah. is totally fine. Yeah. And as long as I had been doing the vans work, 
um, I'd say the last half of that 12 years, I was making more money with all my other stuff. Okay. Than the band's gig, like all my side gigs in like bigger sports and bigger, bigger companies was just, it was just more that was happening in Vans. So like, yeah, um, I like to, I definitely like to stay busy. So when I did not get renewed in 2019, I was, I was pretty hurt, but like financially it wasn't like nothing was really going to change for me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they, you know, they were doing a lot of the park series events and, yeah. you know, after we did the, the film that, you know, that was like the pinnacle of kind of like all the projects we did there. And then they went to doing like, you know, events and I was just like really not into it. And, mm-hmm. um, so when, yeah, when I was just like, Hey, I don't, that's not really the stuff I'm into. Let's bring some other guys on and kind of teach them how to do this, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah, they didn't want to re- renew me. I was just like, yeah, I was a little bit hurt. But, you know, it's, it always works out for the oh, best. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? every time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you can't, you can't have, you can't be on both sides of the fence, you know? Yeah. And I just, I got to remind myself of that. Yeah. Um, you just, you got to, yeah. Anyway, I miss all those guys, but I'm like really excited to be doing just like different things for myself. Um, yeah. Work-wise, working with different crews and different lighting setups. And um, I do a lot of like product photography now which is like really fun for me it's like really 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 fun especially shooting golf clubs it does it does feel like i'm photographing cars dude the shit you're doing with that stuff is gnarly like i would love to go to the studio one day when you're doing it just to watch because like i see the stuff you post or like you'll send me and i'm just like i like it looks like it's all cgi like done on a computer because it's (laughs) it's so high level dude I appreciate that. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't feel like it when you're, when you're, do- when you're like, doing it, yeah. but it is, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that they, um, want to work with us year, year in and year out, yeah. um, with myself and, and my, um, my first assistant Bailey Schreiner mm-hmm. and my other first Eli Phillips, like those guys are incredible to work with and have helped me light and, and digitech for me. And yeah. Um, yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. Next time you're down there in the studio, let me know. I want to come like, I just want to see like how you're lighting yeah. that shit. Yeah. Like, there, we did it. We did a really cool lighting setup. So Cobra just had their 50th anniversary mm-hmm. Cobra golf. And, um, I got to photograph a bunch of their clubs from like the seventies and eighties. They brought them in. Some oh, of wow. them, they had them at the office. Some they actually had to buy on eBay. Yeah. So got to photograph all their old clubs and then they have their new driver, the Aerojet. They did like a colorway, a different colorway. That's like all like kind of gold accents, like their 50th anniversary gold theme. Yeah. And, um, they wanted me to photograph that kind of in the way that they photograph Porsche and Nike in like the eighties. Okay. Um, I'll show you some samples, but like, yeah. and then they wanted me to like shoot some film as well, which was fun on nice. the same, yeah. under the same setup. And, um, I actually built this like kind of fun lighting, lighting, flexible lighting rig that I'll show you. Um, something I've been thinking about for a really long time, but I used like my suction cups from this car mount kit that I never fucking use <laughs> to like bend this giant piece of, um, diffusion. So like okay. we have like, like uninterrupted, um, highlight highlights and gradients. Okay. That don't basically stop at the edge of like a four by frame. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'll show, I'll show you what it looks like, but we uh-huh. were like skimming 600 D's over it. Um, it was, wow. 
it was fun and it was a very new, unique way to shoot. And it's funny, I've actually been shooting a lot of available light for studio photography. Um, oh. or not available light, excuse me, but like, like constant lighting, like with LEDs. Okay. Okay. Because you have these new Canon R5s where you can shoot like, you know, sometimes I'll be shooting eight to 10,000 ISO on those like at night. And it's, it's just the grain doesn't look like noise. It's actually very smooth. So like now I'm shooting at like 1000, 2000 ISO in studio with like 600 D's and 300 D's lighting it. Um, some of it's on tripod, you know, sometimes yeah. you have to, but, um, it's just a way, it's a way faster way to work and you can be a little bit more creative, you know, having someone move a light around and kind of seeing it happen in real time. And then also just like photographing it handheld. And it's, we ended up shooting a lot more for them that way. Mm-hmm. And it's a little more fun way to work rather than just like moving a strobe, testing it, checking the screen. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's been a fun it's been a fun way to like experiment with lighting where it isn't going to like, you're not going to just burn a ton of time yeah. doing it. I'm yeah. setting up strobes, you know? Yeah. But. Do you find, uh, this part of your career and what you're working on the clients and the, the type of content that it is more like fulfilling or satisfying compared to your time in the action sports industry? Or is it two different things for you? That's a, that's a tough question. I'm trying not to pause so long because people think the podcast has stopped, but uh, <laughs> that's what happens to me. I'm like, shit, this thing stopped. Am I going to call coming in? Um, I, I really like what I'm doing now. I really like what I'm doing now um, because we can, we can do so much more creatively yeah. with cameras and lights that is just not appropriate for the type of film and photography we were doing with action sports. Yeah. Like they're, like there are just certain projects um, with, with sports and action that you have to be fairly conservative with the way you shoot them because you do have a person who could like be injured if they have to do this like 50 times, you know what I mean? So you always have to keep that in mind. Right. So like um, it's all, it's great to work with riders who want to do some creative photo shoots and, you know, you can maybe, find a setup that's something that they can do a bunch of times if you're like really tweaking something lighting wise. Mm -hmm. But, um, for the most part it's experimentally, it's extremely, extremely fulfilling to uh, do the stuff that we're doing now where we have the freedom, um, freedom to kind of like try different things out and not, and, and not really the only thing we're wasting is time, but with these new ways to work, we're just being able to work a lot faster as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's not like an athlete involved in terms of like, you know, having to consider their, their health and wellness, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I love all those guys, but to a certain extent, it's hard to tell if they're sober most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I, that is also kind of something I don't miss is like, um, the way that maybe some of those guys do have to deal with their anxiety um, with the things that they're asked to do, um, there, there's just like substance abuse that happens and yeah. I'm not judging, but it just, you just have to keep that in mind. Like, you know, the, the state of mind of the person you're working with, yeah. you know, and yeah, yeah. to not really like try to exploit them under those circumstances and just maybe 
get the job done safely. And yeah. that's maybe just like the best thing that you could do that day, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> um, so I only have a few more things for you. Then can we you can, pause it real quick? Is that, uh, is it possible? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have to pee. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> All right. All good. Okay. Okay. I love it. If uh, if you want. If no, you want. fuck yeah. Um, yeah. I don't want to. What What do you have? What's left? <laughs> um, Any mysteries that I can shed light on? <laughs> I would love. Actually, I would. This isn't one of the things I have written down, but uh, I would love to know your Instagram stories. Crack me the fuck up because they're just so out of left field and weird and make no <laughs> sense to anything ever. And I don't like, is there a rhyme or reason behind it? Or well, is they, it? They probably are funny because you know me. I do know. I know yeah, you very well. Yeah. I would say um, it's split down the middle. I'd say half the people <laughs> can't stand me and half the people um, seem to like me. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I try to. I, I I try to randomize it, you know yeah. what I mean? I Yeah. Yeah. I just I I do I do have my camera um my camera phone like ready, just ready for <laughs> At shit at all like, times. Like I was getting some plywood for the um my van. I'm just trying to like make it more of a grip truck really and um I was just buying plywood and having the guy at Home Depot cut it and the dude mm-hmm. like just fucking sticks his head like up in the saw. And anyway, I just no I think no context for the people that know me, um, it just makes it a little bit funnier for them, you know? Oh, yeah. I crack up all the Good. time. Good. I all appreciate the time. Well, then you're just all sort of encouraging me to do I'm more of even, that. Even like, so for those listening, <clears throat> Cosman and I started working together, what, 2017? It was on that Mossimo, that basketball thing in Colorado. Was that 17? Maybe 16, 17. Somewhere around there. That's when we first worked together. And then since then, we worked on a Vans project together. You oh, yeah. brought me on. And then uh, since then, it's been Petco stuff, yeah, which has been fun. But, you did that National Parks thing. Oh, I, fuck, I, yeah. I, I was, was a PA yeah, for you guys. Yeah, kinda. yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. First AC, yeah. PA, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, was, that, was a, that was a fun, that was a long trip. Yeah, it was like five days or something yeah. like that. I had, I'd never been to the Grand Canyon, so <clears> that me was, neither. I was grateful yeah, to that, see that. That, w- that, was a, that was a good learning experience on my end, just in terms of like that particular client and the talent that we had and we got to meet conrad, conrad play photographer Con- yeah, at oceanside dude, yeah, yeah 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 he's a character <laughs> um yeah so yeah we did that national park sing and then some petco stuff but cosman's really good about being on these jobs and just very at the, your film like you said it's just ready to go and you will get the weirdest fucking things on set and just post them and you won't say anything you just have to wait until you go on instagram and then you're just like I don't know if our fucking cables all wrapped up and, but there's like some weird thing happening within the cables. It's mm. like always, you're always it, ready. Yeah. I, yeah. A little set life kind of, uh, it's obscure. Commiseration. Set life. Yeah. Yeah. Obscure, <laughs> yeah. obscure set life things that I, you know, you kind of find yourself, you know, you find yourself on, on the floor of a store, you know what I mean? With yeah. funfetti linoleum tile and a 33 foot tether cord wrapped around you and just, you know, yeah. the, the things that we do for a dollar. It's pretty funny. Yeah. 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 I feel like the <laughs> the two Petco shoots that we've been on together, it's like not a battle, but it's definitely like, 
I'm wait. I'm ready for you to get in that like really weird fucked up position or that really awkward moment that I can just get a photo. But I also know it's like <laughs> the flip. Like you're ready to see me just like I think you got a photo when we were on the Peco shoot in November up north, and like that Bigfoot dude. <laughs> Oh man! You have the funny the, the mushroom guy. Yeah, the mushroom guy. Oh. You have the funniest photo of me with the easy rig in the camera, yeah. like looking at th- that fucking mushroom yeah. Bigfoot guy walking in the coffee shop. Like, what do you do? Oh wait, wait, wait! In the coffee shop? No, he was outside. We were outside oh, the coffee shop. Outside the yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh man, just people are <laughs> people are so funny, man. It, uh, it just we do. Fuck, we just find ourselves in so. I mean. You, the action sports stuff, you just find yourself in like in like really weird places. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And even even doing like normal production, you know, you shut down the sidewalk and like you just have people that just like waltz right through the shit you're doing. It's mm-hmm. like it's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Anyway, it, but yeah, you were that the guy was like he just looked like he was a guy that made a document documentary about like psilocybin or mushrooms. Sure. You know what I mean? For and sure. like. Anyway, it was yeah. just, but he was just like bending your ear about something. You're dude, like, I don't yeah, even know yeah, what it was. Yeah, but I was, I, yeah, I was like, like, dude, there's like eight of us outside. You can tell we're all like on a film crew trying to get shit done. He was just like, yeah. it's like, hey, you ever done DMT? You know, it's like, <laughs> that's like what he, that's what I figured he was saying to you. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. I, mean, I think I honestly think it was like how he's never left that town type shit. Like it's mm. just. And there was like some coffee shop that used to be down the street, but that's not there anymore. So now he's going to this coffee shop yeah. that we're shooting at, but he doesn't know. Real if important any stuff he needs yeah, to talk to yeah. you about. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I like. Yeah. How does none of this look important to you right now? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's literally a 20 yeah. pound camera hanging off my body right now with my Ghostbusters fucking ghost pack thing on. Yeah. And like. Then that mom like left her like seven year old oh, kid there with an he, ice cream cone. Yeah, to just hang out with us. He's like, can I stay here? And I'm just like, I'm like, why would you leave your kid with a bunch of strangers? We are obviously like We're, doing something. Yeah. yeah. So weird. Yeah. So weird. I love oh, it. Man. I love it. So it's, it's definitely a, uh, it's a unique life. And I like to like us working together. Like we were, I feel like we have the relationship where we don't even have to say a word to each other. We can just give each other looks in certain moments and we know exactly what, Yeah, like what we're like laughing at or yeah. like what the fuck's going on right yeah. now. It's, it's, I agree. It, uh, that is the unspoken, the unspoken bond we have is, uh, it's is my, next level. It's yeah. my favorite. It kind of, it does help you get through some kind of bizarre shoots. You oh, know? for sure. For sure. Yeah. We're like, Oh, the talent doesn't want to talk to anybody. Okay. You know, you got it. Yeah. You got yeah. it. Talent doesn't want to take her blanket off. Okay. You got it. Yeah. You know? yeah <laughs> like, whatever you say. Yeah. 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 Whatever, whatever we'll, you say. We'll get through it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get through it. And then uh, Cosmo and I will give each other looks and then we'll go to dinner where there's loud live music playing and try to hear each other talk yeah. about our day. Yeah. <laughs> um, God. It's just, yeah. It's one big sitcom. It, it really is. Um, so let's see what else I got here for you. Do you, so these are just kind of some random things that I'm at, like asking everybody, but mm-hmm. do you have any, uh, guilty pleasures at all? Like, whether that be like a band or food or a TV mm-hmm. show or hmm. mine's Taco Bell. Yours is Taco Bell. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, sometimes, I mean, my guilty pleasure is just getting DoorDash. Um, okay. and mostly that's because I'm like, I just get wrapped up in something that I don't want to stop. Mm-hmm. 
and then I'll get DoorDash and then I'll like forget it even has arrived. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. And then I'll have to get DoorDash again for dinner. Yeah. Right. Cause the original DoorDash has been sitting outside. And then, yeah. <laughs> so guilty. That's like, you know, that's kind of like a convenience play for me. Um, yeah. Um, guilty pleasure. I mean, well, I do a lot. I do. Like, what do I overspend on? That's kind of, I think that's kind of how I'm going to interpret your question. Okay. My guilty pleasure would be shoes. And for a long time, I, I mean, most, most of my like big clients were shoe companies like Vans and DC shoes. And mm-hmm. I did, I've done stuff for like DVS, um, done stuff for Nike, um, obviously Puma, yeah. done fuckloads for Puma. Um, and I was like a, I was like denying that I was like a shoe guy, but I'm like a hundred fucking percent a shoe guy. Okay. So one thing that Bailey knows this, I haven't really told anybody, but like if I get like a decent shoot booked, I'll buy new shoes for that shoot. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes um, I won't end up wearing them because I'll buy them and they will like not be great shoes. Okay. But um, uh, I can show you just shoes I have. I, they're not, they're just like shoes I wear. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, That's it's kind of like, um, yeah, it just get like, it's stupid, but it just gets me hyped up for the shoot. You That's get, you know, you yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, when you would like maybe get new shoes before uh, a school year. Yeah. You know, and you'd be like fucking stoked to show yeah. off these shoes, you know, like yeah. that's like, that. that's what I would, that's kind of like what I'm trying to do just to get myself stoked for um, yeah. the shoot and I'll, you know, just, okay, we'll get some like new, some new, like uh Columbia boots, like hiking boots for this one, you yeah. know, you know, yeah, it's just, yeah. I don't know, I'm spending like, you know, like a hundred bucks on something, you know, I'm yeah. booking some gig. I'll probably get like 10 grand, a hundred bucks. No big deal. It'll just yeah. kind of give me something to like, you know. A little selfish thing I could do. So yeah, I get that. I have some. I have some Jordans. This is kind of funny. I haven't worn them yet, but they arrived, and I opened the box and like I, I put on the left one. I'm like, oh man, like this is really tight. And I thought my sh- foot was just like swollen or something because it was like later in the day. Mm-hmm. They had sent me a size eight and a size eleven. I wear elevens. Oh, but they had sent me like wrong. Yeah, the wrong size. So oh, wow, I haven't I haven't worn them yet. Um, but. Uh, those are, I'm kind of saving them for something important. You Ooh, know what I mean? Ooh, all but right. they don't really match anything that I have. So I'm trying to, try to <laughs> oh, figure man. that out. Yeah. Fuck. I hope whatever your important job is, I hope I'm on that with you. Cause I want to see yeah. you rock some Jordans to set. Well, Can you- between you and me, I have nothing booked from now on for the rest of the year. So <laughs> okay. we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. something comes up. Keep me in mind. I want to see these Jordans come yeah. out. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> uh, let's see what else I got here. Uh, so I guess like career wise, career wise for you, um, is there like an end goal or like, is there a level or position or something within your career? Like where you want to like get to, um, or are you where you're at today? Like, is I, that it? Is I that really, answer? I know, you know, if history is any lesson to me, um, as much as I would like to be doing exactly what I'm doing now for the foreseeable future. Um, I know that's not going to be the case and mm. part of it won't be my choice. Right. It's just mm. kind of how it is. Yeah. Um, I do love all the clients I work for right now. Um, I would love to continue doing this as long as I can. Um, it's a good, it, they're, they're good jobs. They're creative enough. There's enough meat on the bone that they're, um, we can do them over and over. Mm. My gear doesn't get trashed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think it's a pretty good balance. Um, so yeah. as long as that lasts, I would like to keep doing all this, um, and that's kind of like the short answer. Um, okay. 
yeah, and I don't really know. I don't really know what maybe the next thing would be. Um, I don't think I would go anywhere in house, you know, but, yeah. um, um, you never know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. All right. Um, and then last thing I have for you, and then we can get into what you have here. Uh, are you, and this question is going to make me laugh just because I know you so well, but are you a realist, optim- optimist, or a pessimist? Oh, I. <laughs> I am all three of those. Yeah, that's yeah. What I was, yeah, 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 yeah. You are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's it'd be probably pretty easy to say I'm a, a pessimist, but um, I, I I find a lot of humor in it. You know, yeah. I yeah. think I think humor is kind of like the lubricant that gets me through a lot of like weird and funny things that yeah. uh, are maybe not the maybe not what we expect to happen. You know, yeah. so I I like to. I do like to laugh a lot of things off and a lot of times that's just like commiserating with other yeah. crew members about just, you know, the other people we're working with or just, yeah. you know, some strange things that clients do. And yeah. Um, yeah, it is, it is pretty easy. And I, I know we sort of talked about this before through text that I didn't, I didn't want to like bitch about yeah, um, yeah, yeah. a whole lot on this uh, yeah. podcast. I don't think you um, have. Yeah. No, I haven't. No, 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 no. no. But, um, Wait till that this is, thing stops that, recording. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is that is fun to do. It is a lot of it is a lot of fun to do in a very uh, to kind of like yeah, just put some humor on it. You, you, ha- you have to, otherwise you'll just like, yeah, you'll, you just go, go crazy. Insane. Yeah, you just go yeah. crazy. You just yeah. can't take it too seriously, and that that's sort of like the, I think the trick to kind of like having <clears throat> having a long career is yeah. you know balance of like you know knowing when you know knowing what you have control over, what's important to care about, mm-hmm. you know, and when to, you know, blow it off, you know, in a respectable way. Right. Yeah. Because sometimes things just go sideways and it's just like, okay, let's, at this point we need to kind of reassess moving forward in the day or the project. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, I, no, you know, no one's going to die. No, no one's going to die. If we can't get this weird stain out of the metal in this golf club that yeah. we only have one of, we're just going to photograph it. We're going to see if we can retouch it later. Yeah. And if you can find another one, I'll reshoot it, you know? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. No one dies. My, yeah. my wife works in, in, um, in pharmaceuticals, she works for a nonprofit. And when they don't get their work done, like people do actually die eventually yeah. if they don't get their shit done fast enough. So mm-hmm. it is quite a reality check for me to like, be like, okay, dude, like this isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, it's a good gauge for me to live with someone like that, who, um, she, she does carry a lot of, a lot on her shoulders in terms of like the work she is doing. You could say she is doing God's work. Um, and I'm not at all, you know, I'm pushing buttons. I'm making, you know, thing, you know, I'm making things look shiny. Yeah. So like rich people can buy them. Yeah. You know? And that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Because yeah. I get to be in art class like every day, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, totally. It'd be rad to sit and have your wife on here and pick her brain because you like some of the stuff you've told me, I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's so fascinating to me. Like that whole world is like, wow, it's a trip. She, yeah, she's incredibly, incredibly creative in in a very scientific way. I yeah. mean, she does drug discovery and it is fun to try and keep up with her. Um, and conversations about how they kind of identify, um, different mutations in, in different places in like, um, DNA and RNA strands. And it is, I know very little about it, but I can tell that, um, 
having a creative, creative investigative mind is, uh, is really important for the type of work she does Yeah, for a certain part of it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, That's it's, right. it's pretty cool. Cause it's like the bleeding edge of, I mean, they're, they're making custom, custom drugs for people. It's nano, nano rare diseases. Like some of these people will, you know, will have a disease that, um, no one else in the world has ever had, mm-hmm. you know, in maybe like 20 people have had it. Mm-hmm. So no drug company is going to develop a drug for that. Yeah. And that's there's no you, money behind it. So yeah. they, they have a nonprofit through donations. They're able to make drugs for these people. Some of them, it's very hard to do, yeah. but it is like, it is like going out and trying to shoot a trick that's never been done before. Yeah. And yeah, they, yeah. they have to basically try and do it. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, I, res- I respect that, you know, cause it's really hard to create a framework for a lot of this stuff when everything is custom, mm-hmm. you know, it's a very inefficient marketplace. So it's like really hard to, um, create something that works for all these different diseases. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, that's, so, yeah, that's interesting. I just like to, you know, make it relate back to me. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. It's all about <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. It's all about me. Yeah. Cause the narcissist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. I think that's, that's all I have for you. I know you said you got some oh, yeah, stuff. So yeah. let's, let's, Here we go. Here let's we fucking, go. let's do this. Okay. So it's, uh, I don't know if these are gonna be serious or well, cosmic humor. No. Um, let's see. <laughs> here we go. All right. Here's one. Where, where did, where did your 10,000 hours come from? I think we've all, no, I'm serious. I'm, I'm being serious. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. You know, some people, yeah, where, where did your 10,000 hours come from? Was it in one kind of job or maybe one, um, yeah. No, where do you, is that, is that something that has happened in your career? Yeah, I mean, I get to me, I guess I would say my 10,000 hours came from the dirt bike industry. I've spent um, a total, total of 14 years in that world as a filmmaker. The, I think the first before the 14 years to two years previously, I was working as a stills photographer. Um, cause that's what I thought I wanted to do. I ended up getting a job at trans world motocross magazine. We shared our Tustin office. We shared with, uh, ride BMX. Mm-hmm. So with Fudger and, um, Jeff C and all those guys and seeing like their work, I was like, fuck, it's so good. And I tried to like take that, like use that as inspiration to bring over to the moto side of things. And I got to a point where I was like, I wanted to be able to tell more of a story and I couldn't do that with stills. So I was like, well, absolutely like video side, like, okay. So I just went fucking head first into that in February of 2009 and never looked back. So like, I would say everything I've learned has literally just been through shooting dirt bikes Mm -hmm. In an editorial capacity um, yeah. where it's like really, really high quantity. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. High access. Yeah. yeah, big time. Um, And like almost similar to you when, you, you know, you were saying the ESPN basically hands you this Bible with everyone's info. Hey, get to it. <clears throat> when I got my job at Transworld, um, the editor-in-chief at the time, Don Maeda, who really gave me my start in the industry, he similarly just, he's like, hey, here you go. Like here, he just starts giving me all these phone numbers to like, Chad Reed and Kevin Windham and Ryan Villapoto and Ryan Dungey and like all like the top guys in 2000, 2007, 2008 start calling them. Mm-hmm. We need interviews. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, my, my 10,000 hours came from moto, but I would also say that 
in transitioning out of that industry and into this more like scripted narrative world and more commercial type stuff. Mm. I've probably learned more in that world in the last few years than I did in moto just in terms of lighting. Yeah. Cause at the time I didn't know how to light and there was no one really to teach me and YouTube mm. wasn't quite what YouTube is now in terms of like learning and yeah. all these tutorials. So it's like, all right, I got to do an interview with you. I have a light. I'm just going to fucking, I just need your face to be lit. Right, I was yeah, talking yeah. about this with TJ yesterday. I was like, I just need the face to be lit. I don't fucking care about what's going on in the background or where the, the, the key's coming from. Yeah. You just need to be lit. Yeah. Like I need my sensor to. Yeah. That's on. literally, literally what it was. I didn't know the difference between a near, uh, a near side key or a far side key, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Negative fill, nothing like diffusion. No, fuck that. I just need, I need light. I don't want to stop my light. Yeah. I want, I, I want, want light. light. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when going into the narrative side of things, like it's been very humbling of like, Oh, I have so much to learn. And like, what's the 180 line? Like I didn't, I did a f- my first narrative feature. Like the first day I had to pull the director aside and I was like, the 180 line, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. I was like, I know what the, sh- the 180, like my shutter angle is, but. Does that the- mean like the second angle can't be past 180 degrees of where you're at? Yeah. Right? So the- yeah. The- Cause you don't want to flip, you don't want to flip your key. Yeah. Um, so like if we're shooting like OTSs of us right now mm-hmm. and like this window is obviously lighting us, I would have camera on our shadow side mm-hmm. to do like your coverage. And then I would flip, look at me, mm-hmm. but it's like, well, Hey, we want to flip the whole world around. Yeah. Now we're like jumping the line and like, it was, was which is stuff you see in uh, advertisements all the fucking all the time. time. You're like, yeah. Why did the white balance change? Yeah. Why did the, yeah. 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 So I, to some extent, I'm definitely like starting my 10,000 hours over again in yeah. like this narrative world and especially getting into the union. Um, so I'd get, I guess I'm, I'm trying to work on my 20,000 hours. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I just, dude, I, it's it's all about being in an environment where I think you're creatively motivated to learn. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. it's, it's sort of like a balance of like being competent enough to leverage, you know, your skill set, right? Like yeah. you get to a point where you're like, okay, like I can do some like projects. Like I can do some really like like for you, for me, some high end projects, you know, in the context of like what you've done. Yeah. Okay. I want to do all that stuff and like get projects done and be valuable to people and brands and and things like that. But also like, where can I grow? Yeah. You know, what, what is like an interesting way that I can do one more thing that can complement that stuff or try something totally different, you know, that can Mm -hmm. keep me interested or can kind of create another little business unit for myself or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Hours. There are not enough hours in the day. No, there never, there never is. Um, let's see. Hmm. Mm. Okay. I'll have you. I, lo- I love this. Um, it's great. Just, we'll have you pick. We'll have okay. you pick. So, okay. one, the Da Vinci switchover. Okay. Two would be home duties and the trash smell. <laughs> three, three would be red fanboys. <laughs> Okay, I'm we not. We can do all of these, but wait. I'm not a red fanboy. I own a red Gemini. I am not a red fanboy by any means. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like I need to be careful how I answer this. I don't want to piss anybody off, but I will say I haven't been like. 
super psyched on like the red customer service side of things. I I feel like I have noticed when I have reached out to Red about a couple things, the response is very generic and not um, for the amount of money that you spend on them. It's not like I bought a Komodo, like it's a it's the DSMC two, mm-hmm. like it's a Gemini, it's a thirty five thousand dollar camera that mm-hmm. I bought and. To me, I feel like with that, like there's a level of customer service that I expect. Yeah. Not that I've had a bad experience, but I have noticed that basically if I'm not, I'm not a social media influencer and I'm not like a ASC DP, um, therefore I'm not, I need to take my camera in the red to have a service, but I also have a shoot that same week. They're not going to give me a loaner. Yeah. Like. Maybe that's uh, too presumptuous of me to assume that they would do that or should do that, but they might. I, I don't know. You didn't ask. They they I, might do. It. I no, I've asked. Oh, okay. So and it, it, there's it, no. Yeah, but I've seen them do it to like other people yeah. that are like they have like a social media following or a YouTube following, and I'm like, eh, it's like I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I love my camera. They're like great camera. Um, nothing bad to say about that ecosystem whatsoever. But I'm not like a die hard like red only like yeah. i would love to get my hands on an alexa lf that the sony venice like i'm super curious about that stuff yeah um and i suspect too like as i continue to navigate this union world i'll get to the point where like i will have the option to like be operating a venice or or a mini lf or mm. you know or one of the new red v raptors i, yeah. I don't know um, i just use that red v raptor and you like you liked it a lot yeah I like the sensor. Yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah. I, I did like the sensor. I, if I had to use one again, I would do the V Raptor XL mm-hmm. with the internal NDs. And then that has like yeah. kind of more standard IO parts on the back. And then mm-hmm. like where the battery mounts like that, the V Raptor that I use from the forge guys, you, it, you can only put mini V mount batteries on the back. Okay. So they had to use like an extension to get past the IO to put like a normal sized mount on the back. And then the, uh, yeah. And then the monitor was like just a small HD monitor that had like a really thin cord. Um, okay. it, it was just like a little bit less robust, but yeah, we, I yeah. mean, the, the, the picture was great. And Jeff at the forge was like not wrong when he said it was the best sensor that he had personally shot on. Yeah. And they, those guys have like two monstros too. Oh, wow. Um, so hmm. yeah. Um, I, I, well, I have a dragon, a DSMC two dragon six K. Yeah. I really like it. And yeah. when I, I was editing a bunch of, um, monstro and helium footage and man, it was just so easy to re- edit that red codec and, and color it and get mm-hmm. a white balance back to someplace, um, you know, that you could really work with. Um, and so when it was time for me to buy another camera, I was just like, I wanted to get that dragon and I use it all the time. I really, I really like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I unfortunately it's worth like next to nothing now. I know. Um, but I will probably keep it, you know, indefinitely for just like studio work. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. I've been, I've been really happy. I've been really happy with it. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know what my next one would be. Cause red just always has like really, really, really higher frame. You know, they just do have higher frame rates. You yeah. know what I mean? And so if you have to do any sports stuff, it is you nice. do have some higher frame rates in there. Yeah. Um, anyway. All right. So yeah. be okay. Red fanboys check. We check that one off. Um, uh, yeah, we can do it. 
Yeah, we, let's do. We'll do whatever. Home duties. Home do. duties in the trash smell. So I just have a question for you, yeah, and it, it's really just going to circle back to me. But <laughs> of course um, it will. So like, my wife, she's great. She's great. I love her. Um, like, what are your duties? What, what like you yeah, and Karen yeah. kind of split yeah. stuff up? Yeah. Well, uh, and does she ever like catch you slipping on stuff, and then it's just like you know this is no. So my. So this is what's like Karen and I have been actually talking about this and we are excited and it makes us happy um, with having our daughter on the way. Like we kind of joke that like Violet is going to grow up in a house where like the gender roles are reversed. Mm -hmm. Um, I clean the house Mm -hmm. from fucking top to bottom. I, the whole house, living room, kitchen, bathroom. I do the toilet vacuum. Like I do the whole fucking deal. I clean the house Tuesday of this week. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Like I'll just put on headphones, listen to a podcast yeah. and I'll spend the two or three hours just top to bottom. Yeah. Um, and then I do the yard work too. Like every Saturday I'll mow the lawn and do that whole deal. Um, I just, I just enjoy that shit. I think part of it, like with cleaning the house, um, my mom was pretty clean, like kept, the house like very clean so mm-hmm. i think i just have adopted that so like i'm not like a clean freak but like once a week i will clean the house mm-hmm. from top to bottom mm-hmm. um and i would say like right now with karen like she's she's due in less than three months so like her like i'm probably taking on maybe a little bit more but yeah. she'll do she does the laundry like she won't yeah. let me touch the laundry tracy but, does the laundry yeah yeah like she's all about the laundry laundry is a lot it is. It's a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, but, but Karen's also like, she's super like kind of, again, going back to like the gender roles are totally reversed. Like she's very uh, handy. So like if something goes wrong in the house, uh, she's able to fucking get her toolbox and she mm-hmm. can fix it. Whereas I, like I am, my brain doesn't work that way. It's kind of embarrassing, but I'm not like a technical engineer, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. Like I, I see that shit and I get like, I'll try to fix it and I can't figure it out. And then I get frustrated. Mm -hmm. Um, and so Karen, Karen has a science background too. Like she has her degree in, uh, biological chemistry. So she's just a smart human. And I'm just like, let me clean the house and think about how the light moves through the house. And like, if I was to shoot in here, you know, like that's, yeah. So, um, yeah, we're definitely, the roles are reversed and, but I like to my point, like it'll be cool for Violet to see that I think, and like know that, Hey, it's okay. Like, yeah, women are supposed to clean the house, but my dad cleans the house and like who fucking care. But I've been like that since I was a kid who fucking cares how the job gets done or who does it as long as it gets done. Like I have friends like, Oh, like I got to be the one to make the money. Like my wife can't be the one making the money. Who cares? Yeah. Who gives a fuck? As long as someone is making the money and the the bills are getting paid, I don't care. Yeah. I like I, I've just but I've always been that way since I was young. Like this weird like the man has to do this and yeah. the woman should be doing this. Like no, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> it doesn't to me. It does not matter. Yeah. And if you think that way, it's like twenty twenty three. Like are you really? Yeah. Like come on, who fucking cares? Yeah. So. So does um like. Does she ever say to you like, "Oh man, it's like real dirty"? No, 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 no. Really? No, not at all. Do you, not, and not at you all. You never give her 
Mm-hmm. Or, or does she like take something the wrong way and be like, I do all the fucking laundry. No, no, no. honestly, no. no, really? No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. She, cause she knows with like cleaning the house, like it will start to bother me if I let it go too yeah, long. Yeah. So okay. like, I'm like, usually every Saturday I'll clean the house, but the last couple of weeks I just kind of, for whatever the reason, there's been a lot of just shit. We've been busy. Yeah. So it's like, I cleaned it on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she never says anything. Okay. She, she knows that I'm like, I'm all, it's on my mind. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Tracy, so I, I do the trash, okay. which is pretty easy. Yeah. But you have to like, you know, drag things to the curb and like sometimes yeah. it's raining and yeah. you know, it's like, anyway, you know, cutting up cardboard, bo- cardboard boxes, you know, all mm-hmm. the Amazon shit we get. And yeah. um, we have like a landscaping one too. So it's like, you know, weighs a thousand pounds of just like you know green waste or whatever yeah but. karen cooks too like that's her other thing she does cook she's a great cook tracy does the dishes so i'll cook okay. tracy does the dishes um so anyway the garbage thing um it's so like last night or no yeah last night i like take the garbage out because today was trash day or something mm-hmm. so and then i put a fresh bag in the kitchen mm-hmm. and then um like tracy is like doing the dishes and she takes like her salad that she only ate half of. She puts it in the garbage. So this is like a fresh bag, right? Okay. There's nothing in it. It's going to be there for a few days. <laughs> Lettuce, cabbage. Yeah. 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 Right in the bottom. And then an orange. She's like peeling an orange and like throwing it in the trash. And in my head, I'm like, you are going to be complaining about this smell in like 24 hours. Why didn't you just garbage disposal, just garbage disposal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This morning before you come, Oh my, the garbage stinks. That garbage stinks. I'm like, you put the, you did this. You put the vegetables in there. (laughs) Why is this like, I know I do the trash, but I'm not going to take the trash out. Uh. The stink that you created, like, this can all be, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I don't think that's, yeah. anyway, I don't think that's out of line, but it's like, <laughs> that's great. It was just like a mystery. Why? Anyway. Yeah. That's yeah. Household duties. We, we do have, um, we have, we have these people that clean your house every two months and it's awesome. Um, how much do you pay for that? It's not much. It's like 250 bucks. Okay. I think we're going to do that. It's just enough that we don't do it every week. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not super, we're not super, it doesn't really make a mess. We are real messy. So we'll like, what happens is like, we'll clean, we'll like clean up our shit. Yeah. And then be like, oh, the house isn't even that bad. Right. Well, like it's mostly just like clothes and shoes and just like stuff that gets strewn about and left different places. And so, yeah, I, I would, I would highly recommend it because it's nice when their when their appointment happens, then you just like aren't in the house, and so it's like a reason to kind of get out of the house, and you come yeah. back, and it's like it's like a brand new hotel room, so everything's yeah. nice. Yeah, a lot of stuff goes missing, you know. They're like, oh, they'll do your bathroom, and then they'll put stuff away, and you will never find it again. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a nice surprise. Um, well, tell me about the Da Vinci switchover because I haven't switched to Da Vinci yet. Yeah, someone was telling me that they were going to switch, um, this last week. Oh, um, okay. and I was, I didn't give him any, I couldn't give him any advice, yeah. but, um, yeah. um, so far so good. I, so I have the, the, just the free version of DaVinci. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the studio version, the paid version is I think 295 bucks. One time fee, you're done with like that. Then you're done with it. I will pull the trigger on that. I just right now for what I'm doing, I don't need the studio version. Yeah. Like it's so robust as is that I'm getting plenty for what I need. Mm-hmm. Um, so far so good. It's similar, but different. It's, it's, uh, it's got a lot. It can do a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. The, have you just been watching tutorials? Yeah. So I've been watching tutorials and I have a playlist that I've made on YouTube that I just save these videos into yeah. my DaVinci playlist so I can Re- go back to them. The, yeah. yeah. Um, it's been really good. The color shit scares me. The nodes. Yeah. Visually. It, yeah. It's, it's a lot and it's, there's so, you can get so in depth with it. And I know that I'm not even like scratching the surface. Um, but what I have been able to learn and do so far has just been like, Oh, so rad. Like oh, awesome. The, 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 the face tracking's fucking mm. phenomenal. Like the little eyedropper thing, I can just literally click it on like the green bush in the background and just fucking work on that. And like being able to slow the background down and then work on like the, the face and pull the face out from the background. Mm. It's fucking, and it's easy. Like it, it's, it's, it's not hard. Um, it's been, and and I've, I've finished a couple small, just small little projects from like start to finish, like doing all my editing. Okay. All my Super sound. sound yeah. The whole yeah. thing. Um, Would you say like, like it, give it kind of a rating in terms of like, how much is it like Premiere? Do you know, is, is it sort of like, is it 50% Premiere, 50% some, some new planet or is it a. I would say. Yeah, I would say editing wise, it's to me because you have like you know your two video players, your timeline. Um, it's pretty similar. I, yeah, I would say fifty percent Premiere and fifty percent like this is a whole new thing because there's definitely like little things where I'm tr- I like, oh yeah, I just go over here to get this and I was like, oh wait, that's not mm-hmm. where I'm used to it being, and then it's like trying to find it and then yeah. I can't find it and I got to go YouTube. fucking YouTube yeah. and then it's like, Oh, what well, was right in front of me the whole time? Um, so it's, there's definitely a learning curve, but it hasn't been, um, super, super overwhelming, mm-hmm. but it's definitely like, okay, this is a little alien in some the parts. The color node, um, panel seems like a waste of real estate. And I'm sure there's probably a different view you can have of it. And that's just me I'm being sure, ignorant. Yeah, but like, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen Yasik grade my stuff in it. And um, yeah, he, he, and I've watched tutorials too. And yeah. it makes, it makes sense. It just, anyway, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to do it. Cause I'm sure I'll, I'll find my way there eventually. But um, you know, I use Photoshop a lot. I use yeah. Illustrator. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's just, this is one more subscription. Yeah, yeah. I, I got, and I got to the point with the- But Adobe. not for DaVinci, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. One, one, and done, one and done, that's yeah. it. Yeah, and they're always doing software updates on it and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I just got to the point with the Adobe stuff where I was spending like 55 bucks a month in more often than not, fucking premieres crashing on me for just no rhyme or no. reason. And it, it was getting worse and worse and worse and other little bugs and whatnot. And I'm like, this is bullshit. Like- yeah. And I don't, I'm at the point now where I'm not working with anybody else now that's in Premiere. Like totally. a lot of the Red Bull stuff that I was doing the last few years, like we had to be in Premiere because the other editors are in Premiere and we're having like, you know, share projects and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but now that that's not the case. I'm like, 
this is fucking stupid. I'm just canceling it. I don't use Photoshop or anything else anymore. Like mm-hmm. I won't have a need for it. I'm just going to pull the trigger and save my 55 bucks and go to Vinci. And yeah. so far I've been enjoying it. Mm-hmm. It's been good. So it's, it's, yeah, like I said, it's similar. And then it's got its other things that you're like, wait, what the fuck? But it's just, you spend so long. I've spent, I don't know, since 2012 in Premiere, mm-hmm. I think, or 2011. So I'm only a month into this whole new ecosystem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's, I mean, <clears throat> I've, I've uh, started to use capture one quite a bit in the last three years and that's just mm-hmm. mostly for photo tethering. Um, yeah. but I mean, it's, in, it's incredible software. Um, I, there, you know, so much of our jobs and are spent in, in software, yeah. you know what I mean? And really yeah. our cameras are just like computers, you know? So oh, yeah. it's like, we are, it, it's like, it's like, okay, well, how much, how much software do we really need to be paying subscriptions for? And mm-hmm. then like, we've got to realize that like most of this stuff is making our lives like and our careers possible. You know, it's, yeah. it's all software driven. Yeah. Um, it is just sort of like a balance between like, you know, is it worth paying for? And some of this shit, like the Adobe stuff is, you know, I feel like if you use most of the, you know, big five programs they have, it's worth doing. But man, if you only use one, geez, yeah. you can really almost find an alternative somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that was just, I was just curious about that. Yeah. No, it's been good. I, I've been enjoying it so far. So that's it. Yeah. All I mean, right. yeah. We're two hours and 21 minutes. A Rogan, yeah, Rogan territory. Rogan territory. Yeah. Fucking Spotify, sign me up. Where's the money? <laughs> um, sweet. Anything you want to add at all? Or I feel like we went over everything I wanted to. No, I. I mean, this was great to see you. You know, I think yeah. a lot of times it's when we're on when we're on jobs, it's a uh, it's hard to really like kick back and you yeah. Know, I don't want to say get to know somebody, but it's just like getting to know that person within the context of work. You yeah. know what I mean? And then it's yeah. just like, okay, end of a long day. We'll go get dinner, but you not know, at Applebee's. No, no yeah, not Applebee's. at Applebee's. But you know, neither of us want to stay up till like 2 a.m. drinking no. on, when we have a shoot the next day. No. So it is sort of like, yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough to get together outside of work. Um, yeah. It just is. And especially with people that do, and we do a lot of the same stuff. So for the most part, it is kind of rare that we're on the same set together. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's kind of a significant project if both of us are on it. Yeah. You know, so, and that, that is, um, that's kind of a bummer of kind of being a, being a DP is like, you really don't have a whole lot of like DP friends that you can work with. I know. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was the same it's, thing with still photography. Like I would just never get to work with a lot of my still photo friends. Yeah. Um, unless it was a massive job, you yep. know, or unless they wanted to like be my first AC for like, you know, next, next to nothing rate. Right. Mm-hmm. Just to like, if they weren't doing something, but yeah. Um, yeah. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah. It's no, fun. Thank you, dude. I appreciate yeah. it. It's, it's the whole goal for this was just to like, I've been wanting to do it for over a year and it just didn't work out. And then I was finally like, fuck it. I want to just sit down with friends and people that I respect and look up to that do cool things and like actually like get to know them. Because like you said, like all my friends that I'm going to sit down with for this, like I only really know them in the context of like being on set together. Yeah. And it's like, 
there's all kinds of shit about you that I got to like learn about today that I didn't really know, or there's never really an opportunity about like, Hey, talk to me about this in mm-hmm. between this setup or whatever. So it's, yeah. yeah, no, it's rad. I appreciate you uh, <laughs> carving out the couple hours to let me pick your brain. Yeah. So. Absolutely, man. Well, um, yeah, I don't know what I have coming up. We'll get you in the studio when we're doing some club. Yeah. That'd club, be fucking cool. Club work. That is, it is fun. It's really a lot of fine tuning and I think you'll appreciate it. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's very custom. All those jobs are so custom. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Um, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the barrier to entry. There's not really like yeah. a, a real formula to doing it all, but yeah. um, we've got some tricks. We'll show you some tricks. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love yeah. tricks. Love it. <laughs> all right. That's it. Thank you guys. This is an outro. I've had to record this multiple times because I keep fucking it up and I don't know what I'm supposed to say because I have discovered outros are weird. And if you ever do a podcast and you have to do your own outro, you will also discover that this is weird. But here we are. Trying to make it less weird, but probably making it more weird. Anyways, uh, thank you to everyone that listened to that episode. I really appreciate it. Hope every one of you enjoyed it and got some insight into and, uh, hmm. Yeah, I'm not doing this again. So we're going to roll with that fumble. Um, hmm. I hope that you got some insight and perspective uh, into the story you just heard from who was most definitely a rad individual. Um, And like I said up front, if you haven't already, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, wherever you like to cast your pods, we're there. Uh, So give it a follow, subscribe, rate, review, comment, love it, or leave it. Uh, And find us on Instagram at underscore the field experiment, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all the social stuff because, you know, influence and new episodes every Monday morning, 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every Monday new episode uh so yeah hope to see you back again thank you to everyone that listened hope you enjoyed and we'll see you next week